Friends, nerds, countrymen. Welcome back. Welcome to the Boy Howdy Podcast. This, 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 we're, we're, what's going on? This is the podcast for, what the hell's, is it Friday already? It is Man, Friday. It's Friday. We this record this on Friday right now. on by. Yep. I got taxes to do on Monday, and so I'm trying to stave that off, and like, Monday's coming like this dark freight train <laughs> dark that cloud. I don't want to come. But man, yeah, I always, weekend. I always do taxes way early, not this year. <sighs> Well, taxes are bullshit. Well, you have relatively easy taxes, but because I'm a freelancer, I have to like yeah. hand in like half a dozen different forms. See, last year I even did a ton of freelance, but it's freelance for my employer. Did so even then, I just have two. Well, no, I only have IRS two. IRS is listening. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I can't tell that story. <laughs> well, what'd you do? Well, no, I. I... All the profit you made out of uh, the the Mexican migrant living in your basement. No, I made a crack today about tax evasion. I didn't think about it, but I made a crack today about and tax. Like Obama's got. Well, like... no, no, no. I made a crack about tax evasion in an email that went out company wide. Oh. And it wasn't. I wasn't trying to be. And it was only like one of the accountants immediately emailed me back and said, "Hey, maybe don't make jokes about that." I'm like, oh. I've been kicking was myself it an all day. Official email out to everyone. It wasn't yeah. just a personal thing. Like I'm yeah. doing. This. Oh, it was I a see, program see. we have, and I'm like, oh, you were speaking no. uh, for the company, kind of ish. Well, it was only an internal email, but still, I know, like, but maybe still, don't but still, make... that doesn't look good. Yeah, maybe don't make that. If, if the company ever gets sued and audited, that does not look good. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah, this is the podcast for what's tomorrow's date? The twenty fourth. I think so. Something it's like now that. officially spring. Does not feel like it in Portland. Oh man, it just snowed night before last. Yeah, Wednesday. Wednesday is my Saturday. Wednesday, I went out and I bought six tanks tops because they were buy one get one and a fucking pair of jeans they're like capri short things just getting ready for spring and sandals and it snowed immediately after <laughs> dear no, christ no, right now i'm like uh wheeling west virginia it's like 90 degrees that's also where they got like three feet of snow like a month ago yeah it's fucked up climate change motherfucker El Nino. it's <laughs> it's fucked they up they do say El Nino is coming back oh yeah but a fascinating conversation. That's less. Is that, does that have much of an impact up north here? I don't know. Because it messes the you up in Texas. The fuck is El Nino? I don't know anything. See, it really messes things up in Texas because you're <laughs> down there time, in Gold. Last time El Nino... Oh, God, I just ate a piece of orange. Last time El Nino was a thing, I was living in Pittsburgh, and yeah. that's not really a thing over yeah. there. What's it do in Texas? Well, you're right there on the Gulf. Oh, no, I forgot there's water. So it really messes up... Um, uh, why are you making that face? Is your apple bad? Or your I forgot orange my orange. I bought oranges from Fred Myers, and it's a pink orange. It had a label. So it's kind of like a blood orange, but it's it's not. It just says pink orange. I don't this understand This is really it. good radio. I know. <laughs> With the weather and now the fruit I'm eating. <laughs> well, this is, a, this is what the conversation we'd be having if no one was listening this anyway. Is so this is true. Welcome to my howdy podcast, everybody. So um, <sighs> what did you do this week, Bill? Oh, man. Uh, Legend of Korra. So, so Bill and I both. <coughs> Again, well, this is like the third week in a row we flipped out, flipped out about Avatar stuff. But. So, uh, Bill and I both are entirely legal and above the board means. We're able to watch the first episode of Legend of Korra. Or, excuse well, me. no, this is kind of... I well, was only able to watch the first half. There was a press site put up uh, for people to review the first episode of Legend of Korra, which is the sequel series to Avatar The Last Airbender. And uh, the press site 
the, 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 the username and login info for the press site got leaked, which was just Nick Press. Not, like, it was the easiest password and thing to figure out in the world. Guest. Yeah, and and, yeah exactly. It was practically that. So all that shit got leaked online. I wonder if it was just a, a quote-unquote leak. Yeah. It was, such... it was the first 60 minutes. It's a really good show. Was the whole episode broken into two halves? Well, see, you only sent me the first 60 minutes, you motherfucker. Oh, that's right, because then... You yeah. Oh, that's right. You. Oh, okay, maybe that was... Anyway, I've one. only seen the first 60 minutes. It's pretty amazing. <coughs> what I think is adorable, and this speaks to Avatar and the fandom Avatar gathers, is I found out through a friend who is not at all a nerd, but she loves Avatar so much that she actually has a white lotus tattoo in her wrist. Yeah, and the white um, lotus shows up in the first... Matt, well, we shouldn't spoil too much of the... Uh... Legend of Korra. If anyway, people... I think it's at Legend of or Coronation. Yeah, Coronation. Yeah, uh, uh, the first two complete episodes are going live tomorrow morning. Yeah, uh, which will be today if you're listening to this on the day the podcast goes live on March 24th. But yeah, uh, Coronation. Uh, man, yeah. even if you've never been to, into Avatar: The Last Airbender, which is understandable, it's a Nickelodeon kids cartoon. It's it's hard to get into it first, but once you drink the Kool Aid, you're in. Like, Flynn. well, you were talking about you've been watching it again. Oh yeah, just, well, just to get back in. So it. having watched that, I was like, "Oh man, we should go watch watch a little Avatar." So we watched the first couple episodes. They're um, little... they're not as polished. Yeah, it's well, I mean, just they're still great. Yeah, see, that's what it is. From technical standpoint, they're not well, as polished. Uh, I like I was mentioning last week on the podcast. Uh, I had people over last weekend on Sunday to watch because oh, no, you and I were the only people I knew who have actually watched Avatar: The yeah. Last Airbender, and all these other people they were they're watching it for the first time. And Dylan kind of mentioned, she's like, "Oh man, these background paintings are kind of impressionistic." Like, and not in yeah. a bad way, but, like, you can tell this is, like, a Nickelodeon kids show with a very small budget, which the budget gets bigger towards the end of the season. And really and, and what they do seasons. with that small budget is fucking amazing. Yeah, it's fucking amazing, but it looks like, uh, yeah, Cora definitely got a budget boost because it, the animation Those quality is looking it. Yeah, yeah. It, look, it looks more like a Cowboy Bebop production. It looks like an actual, it looks fucking good. I'm more excited about um, The Legend of Cora than I am about Game of Thrones season two. Really? Readily handled. Well, you know what happens in Game of Thrones stuff, too. That's already kind of fallen apart for you already. There's <laughs> a whole new thing. You know, it's going to be... It's not even just that. It's not as much of a time investment. You know not everyone's going to get raped and murdered and killed and their noses <laughs> now, hacked Bill, off Now, Bill, we shit. don't know that. Oh, man, but I've been reading... I'm a third of the way through the second uh, Song of Ice way, and Fire third, book. Sec- a third of the way through Gotcock. Great joys are motherfuckers. Yeah. I just... Oh, dude, Man. they just, you stick with it, my friend. Oh, the great joys. I would keep you unspoiled, but dude. Theon's an asshole. He doesn't yeah. come across as being oh, an asshole, that yeah. much of an asshole in the TV show. You just wait, my friend. Because he fucks a girl, and he's like, I want to fuck you again or something. She's like, bam, bam, bam. Let me put this to Bill. His sandcastle gets knocked the fuck over, and then he gets raped over its remains. <laughs> and you know what? That Aww. that metaphor is tame in comparison to what actually happens really? to Greyjoy. Or Theon. Does he deserve it? What's coming? Well, here's the he, thing. Well, he hasn't done anything. Do, that's the thing. Do any of the Game of Thrones people deserve all the shit that happens to them? I would argue that even you can write a some degree, yeah, about that, yeah. Even Sarah Say, who deserves a lot of bullshit, Does she like, keep being posting about Game of Thrones? Now? I guess she's been reading the books. I, I had no idea she was reading the books, and now she's yeah. posting about it. She, I literally five minutes before the podcast, she actually linked to uh, a trio of great videos by this lady talking about how Cersei's uh, Sansa and uh, Caitlyn mm-hmm. are. Not the uh, like some of the more reviled female characters on the show. Uh, well, on the show in the books because they're the most domesticated ladies. They're the Whatever. most. They're not the badass. You know, like Arya with her swords and just stuff like that. You know, they're they're just like they're, they're holding the line, whereas they're not going out and having adventures. See, like I think else. they're they're the most believable characters. Well, we can talk about this next week because I'm thinking I, I was hoping we could do a Game of Thrones podcast next week in anticipation Ugh. of Game of Thrones season. Two I have trouble drumming up. up any enthusiasm about Game of Thrones. Anymore. I think we could. We, we don't have we to can, talk about the future. We can just talk about Game. Yeah, I know. It'll be a short podcast. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> 
Anyway, yeah. so yes, um, Legend Cora, of Korra looks great. Looks really, really great. Man, her dog! I love her, her bear dog her so bear dog. much. Well, it's funny because I was... What's his name, Naga? Yeah, Naga. Because Naga flipping... was concept art for the first show yeah, was that got cut. Say, uh, because I was just flipping through the uh, Legend of... Uh, what am I saying? The Avatar The Last Airbender art book that Dark Horse yeah. put out for the TV show... Uh, I like, remember seeing that sketch of that bear dog because the bear dog was it, as a concept like as an alternate pet as opposed to Appa. Yeah, before they came up with Appa. And yeah. I was just like looking at the bear dog, like man, I would give my left tit to see a show with that bear dog. And little did I know, man. And then oh, it's just and it's, oh, we'll talk about this. Oh, we're gonna be talking about this all again next week after the first two episodes come up and they introduce more characters and stuff. But it's it's good. Huh? I like it, and, and I like Tenzin's kids. Yeah, Tenzin's got the smart daughter. Yeah, all like oh, da, 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 tell us and I like I like um, old um, Katara who looks just like um, Gran. Yeah, like, or whatever they call them. Yeah, you watching that first uh, couple episodes yeah. again? It's it's it looks like Katara's grandma. It's, it's really it's, great, and she's got the little. Well, then even the character design of Korra because she's yeah. got like not hair loopies, but she's yeah. got, like a similar thing. At it's two. nice. She's got the little Padawan well, rat tails. Is Korra's like a 16, 17 year old girl too? Yeah. Like, whereas the you know Ang the, the the protagonist of the first Avatar series, he's and we need to do a. Avatar episode. Yeah, well, well, yeah, a month when the actual. Well, we'll okay, we'll, we'll, you'll, you'll, we'll forget more Here's about that. Here's the part of the Boy Hottie podcast where we talk about future podcasts. Ugh. Um, let's what see, what else did I do? Oh, this week I um I uh, finally beat Assassin's Creed Revelations. Yeah, there you go. Can I just take a moment to say fuck Assassin's Creed? Is that bad? Uh, well, is no, it the it's... story? Well, here's the I thing. Because I heard the gameplay wasn't that good. The gameplay, no, oh, the gameplay is fine. The gameplay this is, is the Assassin's Creed. This is the one that takes Creed. place in, what, Mexico? In Constantinople. Their first, the first thing about it is that it takes place in one city, and that's it, which is kind of different. Last, well, excuse me, excuse me. It takes usually they take place in cities, but like you unlock parts of cities as oh, time goes it's, on. Oh, it's like the entire city time. is open from you to you from the start. Oh, okay. Which meant that I was like, oh, I'm gonna get everything, and then I got everything, and then I was totally uninterested in exploring the city anymore. Uh-huh. Like, so there is a reason why you're it, the reason why we have to unlock new uh, islands in fucking Grand Theft Auto games. Yup. God damn it. Well, and they had to lock off one region for narrative reasons. It's a small part of the map. And it, then it totally was weird that there was this one part it's of the, the city that was factory. arbitrarily... That's right. <laughs> but no, okay. There should be a Assassin's Creed game that takes place in Wonka land. So, where, where, where did Willy Wonka get the Oompas? <laughs> the story... <laughs> the story in the game is a total thing of who cares. It's like, the, it's not... You're not fighting the Templars, quote-unquote. You're fighting the temp Like, kind of a an offshoot that is supported by the Templars. Or that... Excuse me, that supports the Templars. So the whole Ezio narrative is totally unfocused and who cares. Like, the, the characters that you're working with are great characters. But the writing is so vague and the stakes are so vague that you don't give a shit. What's it the is company the... that owns, like, Taco Bell and Pepsi and all that stuff? <laughs> I don't. The, the Assassin's Creed that takes place fifty years in the future from now needs to be like everyone's fat except the one last skinny person in the world, and you're the assassin then, and you're just like moving this whole world of fat people. And you have to put on a fat suit. You're taking out like Taco Bell <laughs> guys. You run Taco Bell and Pepsi and stuff. No, but anyway, so, yeah, you have a point to make. I'm there's sorry. there's a um, so the the story is so odd that you just can't get very attached. You get to learn about Altair's past, but Altair's past is, like, it, literally a huge plot point in Altair's past. You only know if you read the Codex file mm. on one of the characters, and that otherwise the be... motivations are totally vague. You shouldn't have to read in order to get the big yeah. plot points in a game. And then there's a... what I what, One of the things I most enjoy about the game is that there are a bunch of portal-like first-person puzzles oh, really? that first are... Person? Yeah. Huh. That are basically you are in the Animus, and you are navigating mm. memories of your character. Okay. So it's kind of interesting. You get to so learn more about 
Desmond's past. As Desmond. You're lear- you're playing as Desmond, learning about Desmond's past. Oh, oh, so Desmond's you get to own learn, past. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and it's kind of nicely done, and the the puzzles are really nice um, palette cleanse for the rest of the game. Uh-huh. But so, and I pl- finished the game, and I was like, okay, that's cute. I guess Altair. The end of the game, it turns. You find out that Altair dies by locking himself in a room until he starves to death. Why? Because spoilers for Assassin's Creed no. Four. <laughs> and exactly, like, so like a, do you see, starving uh, to death is how I go. Ezio dies in Assassin's Creed Embers. Yeah, which was actually cute. I liked Assassin's Creed Embers. But no, you don't. He, it wouldn't. Have, his death would not have fit into this game because it's about Altair's death. It's really about Ezio stepping away from the Brotherhood. Because whereas Altair died okay, in that's the Brotherhood, yeah. Ezio. The end of this game is Ezio going. You know what? At the, actually, what happens is it finally reaches point, and he turns around, and he starts talking to Desmond. And he goes, you know, my whole life I've tried Which to find a little bit in the last, a game. little bit in the last yeah. game. But he goes, you know what? I've spent my whole life trying to find purpose, and uh-huh. I realize now that my purpose is to bring you to this point. And now that I've done that, I'm fucking going to my farm, popping a Bruce. Oh, okay, so out. Oh, okay, that makes more sense as to why you don't see him die. Oh, there would have been yeah. that. Like I said, he gets. See, I like that Ezio gets happily ever after. Yeah, okay, it totally makes I'm not sense. Not saying he has to get murdered or anything like that, but like well, if as, you want to see him get murdered, his birth. It would be nice if you, no, you, you play his death. Or no. it's hitting the aim button to keep on breathing while you're dying on your sick uh, on your sick bed with all your ten kids around See, you. See, no. Because then it says you, you get... Does he have a lady? Does yeah. Have oh, yeah, well, you, you must have okay, kids. Okay, fuck this he's... game. You get to meet Ezio's awesome lady friend, yeah. who is great. And I love her character. And it is the most limp romance I've ever seen written in an entire game. <laughs> I am a hopeless romantic. If uh, I don't meet her when shits, he's delivering pizzas to her? He does have to deliver her a bouquet of tulips. Yes, there's actually a really cute. There's the one mission, the memory that is um, your date, your first date with her. Literally, she's like, "I need some tulips," and you go, <laughs> and they like. It's really adorable because they figure out how to get you the game voice work. For the, they get the gameplay to work because you're like, hey, you have to. You go to this flower seller, and he's like, "Oh, I will go buy some tulips," and then you have to tail him through the city, and you find where his tulip source is, and you pick tulips and you take it to her. You gotta get tulips so you can get to her tulips. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Hey, um, Annie's mom. <laughs> so, but it was really jarring after having, because literally I finished Mass Effect 3. I pop, I'm like, okay, I guess we'll play Assassin's Creed. I pop in the disc and that's the first thing I see. And literally this love scene that's supposed, I mean, it's totally, it's beautifully set. It's in a beautiful space. It's, it's shot together, so well. Yeah. The character models are great and you're really fond of these characters. And literally it's like the, the shittiest romantic scene I've ever seen in a Is game. Is her name Betsy <laughs> No, her name is <laughs> Sophia. I, I just picture Ezio in a white little yellow wig, <laughs> wig. with like little flip, flip right. ends. Yeah. No, Sophia. Betsio. Sophia literally says, "Oh, you brought me flowers." Ezio goes, "Yup." Plops down next to really? her, and that's it. I felt so cheated. Wow, he's kind of really bad. The whole Italian hot men legacy it's short. Really there. bad. The so, hot blood. And anyway, so you. all of that. Okay, whatever. The game is really boring. Whatever. I more like I realized this game and the last game, all of the quote unquote modern day plot is mm-hmm. been in a fucking holding pattern. Like really, it's like nothing happens over the course of the game, and then abruptly things happen. In the, in the last, last game, you just got like Ezio Chateau. I mean, that really the, all the entirety of uh, the modern see, day stuff. See, at least you get to go outside and wander around a little bit. And there's you get no to reason talk to, your to. Team members a little bit. See, that, that gave you something, but again, nothing but happens not there. until nothing... the last ten minutes. Yeah, in the ending. And in this game, we literally, talk about uh, we should. But no, so like, so in the last, you you stab Lucy in the last game, you kill her, and you know she's dead because, dude, I'm Kirsten not. Kirsten Bell gets stabbed to shit. 
And I, I, she must have said, I don't want to, I, or she may have asked for too much money for the next game. That's the only way I can explain it. Because in this game, they awkwardly explain why she's gone. It's so bad. You just stabbed her. I mean, well, you saw it. No, 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 no. Why you stab her? They awkwardly explain it. Oh, so it's so it was just, bad. Uh, it is so bad. It's almost like the creative director behind these games left a game and a half ago. Oh, but so anyway, Kirsten Bell, you killed Kirsten Bell in the last game. In this game, you're in stasis because of the shit that happened to you. And you wake up at the very end of the game, and they're like, oh, okay, don't worry about it, let's go. And I'm like, well, no, 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 I just killed our ally. Maybe you guys have a little bit of conversation it's with me. It's a big fucking deal, yeah. It's a big fucking deal, but she, no, 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 they're the, off to adventures She's the biggest person in that organization that you're working with in the uh, end. Well, so, within the well, no, that you're, see, uh, you meet the head... I hope you guys like Assassin's Creed and know what the hell we're talking about, because I've played these games, and I, I'm barely keeping up with Andy right now. You meet the head assassin, or excuse me, whoever is the superior in the area... Who is voiced by Q from Star Trek. Oh, really? real name, I don't know. Yeah. He's actually um, Desmond's papa. Yeah, Desmond's oh, dad, oh, Will. Oh, oh, oh. Schmuck face, whatever his name is. Anyway. Uh, so the last so, Assassin's Creed game is going to uh, be playing him uh, getting into his Q suit for Star Trek. So that's the whole game. And you're like... Stabbing what? people in the Paramount And I, I could not... And man, I went from... In the first Assassin's Creed game, I was so excited about the sci-fi elements because they were all so vaguely handled. I almost wish they would just ditch the sci-fi oh. elements at this point. Just say, you know what? Well, Assassin's Creed 3, you're just fucking shit up in the revolution. One I thing like I did Assassin's like... Creed, uh, I'm glad the science fiction elements are around to justify, hey, we're going to have a game where you're running around the American I'll Revolution. I'll give you this, though. Or a... Yeah. This is one thing I actually really liked in this game. Yeah. So in this game, you're Desmond in the Animus. But you're not really in control, per se. It's kind of fucked up. You're not, uh-huh. It's not as structured as it was before. So you're going back to Ezio's time. Ezio is finding is able to find these memory frag- fragments of Altair. So Ezio is going back in time to see so Altair's life. Cool, yeah. So when you're, when you're Altair, he speaks with Ezio's voice. It's actually kind of a clever little thing. So he has a little bit of an Italian accent. Okay, yeah. and it's, it's not the guy from Pasadena who they got the voice no. the uh, Altair no. in the first two games. It's it's just, like there are a lot of really cute, moderately clever things in this game that I hate because they're but in this game like that otherwise story, is shit. The basic narrative's fucked up. Oh, it's up. just who cares? The well, framework. to be fair, at the Man. end of the day, no one cares about any of the frameworks of the Assassin's Creed. So, are you gonna buy Assassin's Creed Three? Yes, because I do. I mean, at the end of the day, I love the gameplay in these games, but I could not be less interested. Because here's the thing: so they have this DLC called the Lost Archives, and what it is is for it's this more game, this yes, Assassin's Creed for the uh, Revelations. Yeah. So the whole thing is, is it's more first-person puzzles, and I'm like, cool, I enjoyed those. That sounds good. And in the descriptions, it's like, oh, well, we'll learn more about Subject 16 and Lucy Stillman. And I'm like, okay, that could be interesting. So it's like in 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 the game you're looking at all these fragments of memories of Desmond's memories and learning yeah. about his past. So in this you find out about Subject 16's past and it's so boring I'm not even going to bring it up. So, but yeah. But you find out that Lucy cuz in the course of the first and second game Lucy is a double already. agent. So Lucy is an assassin who's been embedded in the Templars yeah. and she helps you escape in the first game. Yeah. And then, you know, she's yeah, your ally yeah, yeah. in the second game. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, it turns out that she was a triple agent all oh, along. No. Oh, so she was she actually was a bad Templar person? all along. Because here's the thing. And it's handled so shoddily. Because what it is, is it's, it's Subject 16 remembering when he was alive, quote unquote. And he stumbles across this, this security footage of Varric? Varin? Is that his name? Yeah, Vidic? Vidic. Varus. Varus the spider. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So I think Vidic is that his name? You know, I don't know. Anyway, so the, the, the head Templar bad guy <laughs> from the first game. I feel like you're. I, this is how it's starting to sound more <laughs> like, like some a kind of weird thing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
So Subject 16 finds the security <laughs> footage of the head Templar scientist dude talking to, to Lucy. And it's so fucking hilarious because it's him just monologuing her. She's not speaking because she they don't have Christian Bell's voice. voice. Yeah. And it's clear that she did not approve of her likeness because it's oh, all shot from behind. No. All of it is from behind. So you just see the back of her head. Oh, oh, it's so bad. Oh. And it's him monologuing at her saying, oh, you know, those assassins, they abandoned you with us. Aren't they a bunch of shitheads? The weirdest conversation ever, yeah. It's awful. Because basically they retcon it. So, because your dad, Q, during the whole game, is saying, like, oh, you know, we embedded Lucy when she was 17 with the Templars. And so she's been in deep cover for 15 years. Well, of course she feels abandoned by the assassins. So she turned to the Templars and blah, blah, blah. And so the the Templars let Desmond read their emails in the first game. That was all construct so that that he would build uh, compassion for Lucy and trust her when they escaped. And then Lucy is going to use Desmond's memories to find the apple and bring them to the Templars. Blah, there blah, blah. There's really no one in control of the story. Oh, there? it's so it shitty. It is the most mashed together and shit. He, and he's like, and, and the, the thing is, like, one of the last things he says to her is like, and when you get out there, the last thing you say to the assassins before you betray them is, how could they abandon you for so long? And I'm just I'm just watching this quick, quick cutscene happen, just flipping off the television with both this fingers. This is the DLC? This in the DLC. See, this is what kills so you me. Paid to get kicked in the. They, ha- in the they, they totally brush off the only inter- female protagonist in this whole game yeah. to speak of with fucking DLC, hack DLC. And so you 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 see this footage, you're like, oh my god, you continue doing what you're doing, and then you find an email from Lucy to Subject 16 that says. I'm so sorry that you saw that footage. I didn't want to show you this way. But don't you see that the Templars have humanity's best interest at heart? That they're the good guys and the assassins are bad guys? Oh, well, too bad I have to murder you! <laughs> and it turns out that Lucy killed Subject 16. That's that's this fucking bullshit I game. I can't wait to see what the story in the next game is. In Assassin's Creed 3, holy shit. What little fragment of love I had for the Assassin's Creed was almost boiled out of me by that. Wow. It's just, man. Okay. I mean, the, the the hack treatment of Lucy was always kind of infuriating to begin with. Like, I will buy Assassin's Creed. You can borrow my copy. Let's I'm just going to buy it because I love parkour through history. Uh, but you gotta, fuck You gotta put down payments so you can get your metal tin from GameStop. Ugh. Your beautiful Assassin's Alex Creed. Ross. I mean, just to have played this that is, game. This is already turning into one of those franchises where, unless in Assassin's Creed Three, I don't. I have absolutely no reason to believe Assassin's Creed Three. Assassin's Three. No, no, Assassin's Creed Three's story is going to be amazing. At least the meta story. I think. Uh, but another thing that's hard about awesome. it, you could you could be in a canoe in the new one. It's the game is so the meta story is so vague because you're fighting against the Templars. Well, they want to stretch it out as long as possible, so but, they don't want to well, define no, no, no. anything. It's just well, no, 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 you know what it is. It's like the temple. There was this early race of. Of oh no! But I'm saying Uber as far mentions. as forward motion within the story, it's all just kind of well, like the thing blah. is, is that the world is going to end. That's where this is all leading because the whole thing is that this site, like 50,000 50, years ago, there's a cataclysmic event that wiped out all of humanity except for ten thousand people, and somehow annihilated all of their um, beautiful buildings and skyscrapers they built except for these underground bunkers that contain artifacts. That's that's the 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 canon of of the Assassin's Creed world. And so this uh, uh, incredible what apocalypse... What color energy destroyed the world? <laughs> oh, this no. incredible apocalypse is going to happen any day now, and meanwhile the Templars are trying to control everybody. And it's just like, I'm just... Man, that's why this is Mass Effect. I'm not, I don't have too many too much faith in narrative and storytelling See, right now. See, Mass games. Effect, at the end of the day, I don't... Like, ending I shouldn't dog Mass Effect that bad, because it's like, no. Everything, it's... Every single step of the way, I enjoyed... 
And, and Assassin's Creed... Mass like, Effect only got poopy until the last 20 minutes. Assassin's Creed gets away in the charm of its characters in as much yeah. as Ezio is great. And the, 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 the pleasure of its world and the pleasure of movement through its world. And without that, I don't know what the fuck it is. <sighs> Sorry. Because I know this, and it's, this series has meant a lot to you. It's I I love... I mean, I'm a history nerd, and I love... I always, in my heart of hearts, want to be a person who climbs on things. And I just... Buy a pogo stick. Take the money you can invest in Assassin's Creed 3, buy some shoes with spikes in them, some cleats so you can go wall running. So you got a white cloak in Journey? Yes. I played Journey like Let's talk about times. something that's awesome. Journey is great. Journey is a good ending. Journey is a great Oh, spoilers! This, this week's podcast, we're talking about <laughs> endings and, and, and media and stuff. Uh, no, yeah, Journey's... Uh, how much... Did you just play the once one time play Journey? Once. It's a good game. I I, it's, it it's, yeah, it's like ninety minutes long. I Although I, I I did a, a playthrough of Journey last night where it took me less than an hour. Yeah, fifty five minutes burned right through it. Um, yeah, no, I played through Journey like four or five times. Got my white robe. Got my. It's all gilded with the. Uh, yeah, every time you beat Journey, you get more uh, like embroidery on your cloak when you play again. Yeah, and so I'm white with all this crazy gilded gold shit all over me. I look crazy. People see me in the game, they always go, what the hell? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, but there's not much to say about Journey other than it's really pretty. It's awesome. Again, without uh, spoiling the story or anything like that. Which, the story is nice because it's vague and you can you can interpret it however It's not you about like. the end, it's about the joining. And it, it, hey, it really what a title. is. I can believe that. People write the shitty endings, they try to play it off like, like, like Lost, where I guess we're going to talk about some ending shit early. Uh, but Lost, yeah, Lost played it off like, oh, it's just about the journey, not about the not about the ending. Journey is actually is about the journey. Yeah. The ending's nice, but they also that has a good ending though. It's not yeah. trying to play off a bad ending by being like, well, you got to play the game, huh? Burr, burr, burr. Uh, but yeah, Journey is really beautiful. I want the soundtrack to come out. That hasn't officially been released yet. Oh yeah, yeah. You can find it on YouTube and rip, rip it from YouTube with like. I want a blah, scarf. Blah, blah. I want them to make scarves. <gasps> Because I would totally wear an actual and Journey scarf. Was actually suggested that. I better. Oh, the, the, the people at that game company, at least whoever runs their Twitter account, is really they uh, they follow me and they keep track of me. Actually, today they alerted me that they thought someone had ripped off my art for a wallpaper that's floating around online. Aww. They go out of their way to alert me about this. Now, this so fan art, I drew their infringing game. Your, their, your copyright on their copyright. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's cool, man. That's cool. This turns out this person, uh, he had asked me when I first posted my Journey fan art that I did last summer. He was like, oh, can I make it look more deserty instead of nighttime? You know, I was like, yeah, sure. And yeah, I guess somebody at uh, th that game company saw it. Just... That's so I, if I have that, I should ask them, say, hey, do you guys have a Journey merchandise? That'd be fucking man, yeah. Who uh, will you have to put Christmas lights in it to make uh, light up? <laughs> Something like that. And spring shoes so he can fly. Use, like LED, you weave LED strands into it, like fucking Tron bullshit. Yeah, they should make a journey sequel that is more parkour. There we go. So just fly and then just to appeal up and to stuff. me personally. That's yeah. it. So what else happened to you this week? Um, my wife and I are getting more and more ridiculous in our Mass Effect fandom. Yeah, oh, I saw this. We'll post a link in the show notes. Um, uh, I we got your car um, looks amazing. We got Renegade and Paragon stickers for um, I got put the renegade on the right side of the car and the paragon on the left side of the car <laughs> and an n7 sticker for our dash we have coming um in just a couple of days an alliance navy um decal we're gonna put on the on the the back window of the car what does that look like well it's the like, navy it's the alliance navy logo it's, it kind of looks like an a with stars i never noticed yeah see i did because i fucking love mass effect more than you draw it in your math notebook all day long <sighs> Actually, I'm really excited because she's been doing these great little um, chibi doodle sort of things of yeah. Mass Effect. Actually, I she calls them mini Mass Effect. I call them Mass Effect babies just so I can do this. Hold on, hold on. 
when the reaper hordes draw near and you wish that you weren't there. Crosscut with the... Just jump into the Normandy and you could be Or something like that. Anyway, oh, no. I made her. Oh, that's what it was. It was good. By the way. I made her draw me a picture of Tali and Garrus um, sharing, um, drinking out of one drink with their straws, and underneath it's gonna say Dextromance. I'm gonna make it a T-shirt. I'm so excited. Basically, my Mass Effect, our two-person Mass Effect fandom parade just keeps getting louder and louder with each passing Were you day. Guys, you guys, the official, unofficial. Well, I guess as. The official name for your car is the Normandy. Yes. In my rearview mirror, I have hanging from it the um, long service medal I got at PAX for playing the demo. Oh, and really? Is that what that is? Yeah. Is it actually made out of metal? What yeah. the hell is yeah. that? It's a metal. What's it look like? It looks like the long it's service medal. It's hard to tell in the photo. What's the long service medal look you like? Get it, you get it in... Uh, it's an achievement you get in Mass Effect for playing through yeah, the game importing. twice or yeah. importing a character. Yeah. Oh, I know it. Yeah, that's yeah. super. You never told me that you got that medal. Or if yeah. you did, I just totally blacked out. Yeah. Did, well, you also got the foam rubber, or no, the the, the inflatable Omni Tool weapon. Yes, that I'm probably not going to put in my car. That's a little less practical. To put I in saw there. that someone on on Reddit had made a uh, out of like orange plexiglass had made one yeah. that you could actually walk. Those out are with brilliant. Kind of stab someone with until it brilliant. breaks. Um, yeah, and I have a little um, Normandy on my dash. I also got my Mass Effect Three Razor um, controller today. Oh, you did? How's that? It literally arrived this morning. You have to understand how much it pains me that I'm sitting I here talking oh, to you. Oh man, if I have any money after to... taxes, I might throw down for that because I. Oh no! If I have any money after taxes, new Star Wars Xbox coming out in a month. <laughs> As much as much as I hate to say it, I'm tempted to get it so I can have an Xbox. That Just so you can have. I, was well, say... I need a new Xbox, and if I'm gonna buy uh-huh. a new Xbox, uh-huh. yeah. I want one that makes R2D2 sounds when yeah. I open it up. Uh-huh. What? Sure. If you can bling out your car in Mass Effect, I can get an R2D2. This is a good Xbox. point. That's an excellent point, my friend. I'm just saying this is my trade off. Uh, <laughs> then I also get a C3PO connect. <laughs> I saw that. That's ridiculous. Fan fucking tastic. <laughs> uh, yeah. What else going on? They know their audience. No, man, this week was me. I played Assassin's Creed. I thought I'm Assassin's Creed. Assassin's Creed. I'm so sorry you spent your week. It's just I no, I really enjoyed the game. It's just that this game made me realize all the weaknesses of Mass Effect. And like another thing, or excuse me, of Assassin's Creed, especially having just played Mass Effect, because Mass Effect is all about camaraderie and friendship. Yeah. And Assassin's Creed, Ezio keeps I talking know. about how important it is to have this camara- camaraderie between, and how the assassins are about love. And you never get to see that. Like, they try to do that a little bit in this game, and that you have these assassins that you do these missions yeah, for to make them master assassins. Stuff, but, but it's not like, yeah. And especially now. Well, assassins, Mass Effect's very unique in its camaraderie. This is true, but ultimately it made me realize how much I enjoy that in games, yeah. you know? Hopefully. Man, I hope other games start playing up the whole making friends in games system like Mass Effect. I, I hope. Well, that's such a time and money investment in order to create a game like Mass Effect. But no, Effect. I mean, I, think it's about... It's not easy for other people think to Think about that. doing Assassin's Creed 3, which set in the American Revolution and all the disparate characters and peoples in that scenario, and then imagine that you are actually recruiting individual people to join your fight for justice. How fucking amazing would that be? Like, it potentially imagine could be very cool. A, Let's a see Red what the Dead actual... sort of world. Like, that kind of scale. And, like, people throughout... In developing relationships with these people and to rally them around your cause. Meanwhile, a war is raging. I'm already playing you. John Adams' miniseries theme in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> it just made, the more I thought about it, the more upset I got. I mean, I would ra- much rather do that than I a don't tower think defense about it game. So much because the more I think about how cool Assassin's Three could be, because you and I are revolutionary history nerds, 
it's never going to be as cool as we can think it is, no. as as we would imagine. It well, being. you know, I it's going to be, be another assassin. I game. don't even care about that. I just I genuinely just want to have bros. They had that a little bit in um, Assassin's Creed Two yeah. with all your mentors. They kind of do that, and then they just never do that again. I just hope the end of the game is an RTS where instead of an army, it's just you and the Continental Congress, <laughs> just melee fighting people, just like taking yep. people with your bare hands. Um. What the hell? Is, oh, oh, man, this is another thing. Uh, this Some of the soundtrack for The Legend of Korra got leaked. Oh, the mm-hmm. only one I want to mention that. Uh, in terms of production values on The Legend of Korra getting better, it sounds like they actually have a full... Uh, it's not... no. The music in The Legend of Korra is no longer synthesized, like all the music mm. in uh, Avatar yeah, Last Airbender. Because the music in Avatar Last Airbender was... It was great. Banner. It was banner, serviceable for what it was. It was a guy with a Casio. It was fine for what it was. He did a really good except job. Except for some of the... Some of the uh, like, uh, the Taiko drum beat rhythm stuff. Yeah. That was cool. But a lot of it uh, was just, yeah, some dude with a synth. I know it's the Legend of Chords. It sounds like it's all actual orchestrated real band. That's uh, there's nice. some jazz stuff with nice. like mix of uh, 20s jazz stuff with like Chinese instrumentals, like with ear hoos and stuff like that. Oh, that's awesome. Ah, I just, anyway, I just thought of, I just made a note of that in the show notes. Uh, but I just wanted to mention that now. I saw Tintin. How was it? This week. It is a, it's the best Indiana Jones movie Steven Spielberg has made. In 20 years? Yeah. But, man, the faces are freakish. It's all motion captured, which that's always kind of weird enough. But the the CGI rendering is so beautiful that for most of the movie, if you were not looking at the faces, you'd think it maybe was an actual film movie. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just really good. Something They did something with the lighting, especially, like, indoor spaces where the the glow of light bulbs and stuff just looks ultra-realistic and the sheen off of metal because, like, they spent a lot of time inside of a big ship. Yeah. In the movie. That just, it looks fucking gorgeous. But the faces, where it's like realistically textured faces with real flesh and hair and stuff on kind of grotesque cartoon proportion faces, yeah. especially on bodies that are obviously mo- motion capped onto like yeah. re- like normally hu- uh, proportioned human bodies. So basically you're saying it's reverse faces. L.A. Noir. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, a, yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's kind of like if you went to Disneyland. And the guy in the goofy suit, if his face turned into human flesh and he started walking around <laughs> talking, but he had human hands. That's terrifying. <laughs> it's a little bit like that. The and it's 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 okay, but for a movie that is produced by Peter Jackson, directed by uh, Steven Spielberg, uh, written by Stephen Moffat, the guy who runs Doctor Who now, Edgar Wright, the guy who you know who did uh, Space, Spaced um, and, Scott and Pilgrim, Shaun of the Dead and Scott Shaun Pilgrim, and Joe Hot Cornish, Fest. who did Attack the Block. It's meh. It's kind of a wet fart of a movie. It's not terrible. I, I want to sit down. I, I have the Blu-ray. I want to watch. There's uh, a lot of special bonus features on there, and I want to see more about the technology, about how they put that movie together. But yeah, no, it's a technical marvel, but just they made such a weird aesthetic decision in saying we're going to do a photorealistic cartoon movie. Yeah. it's. I, I'm glad they did it, did that, but no one else in the right mind is ever going to do that again in the future. It should have been like an Incredibles where if they were going to do CGI, yeah. it should have been stylized CGI. Especially with Herge's like, amazing style. Well, they also had, there's a lot of Herge's uh, original artwork in the movie because there's yeah. lots of things where like somebody would be walking past uh, like wanted to put a picture of Tintin and it's actually mm-hmm. his art of Tintin. Aww. And it just that face looks so more much more appealing than the photorealistic fake Tintin yeah. face. It's just kind of eh, like I said, it's not terrible, but just oh man, Daniel Craig though plays the villain. 
does a great job. Yeah? Yeah. You'll have to see it. I'm yeah. watching it some it, point. It, like, the villain is like this tall scarecrow kind of guy. Yeah. And it wasn't until I was halfway through, I was like, who the fuck is playing this guy? Because whoever yeah. does the voice and did the motion capture, it's just like nice performance. I was yeah. like, Daniel Craig. Like, what the <laughs> hell? Um, although the Tintin himself, he's actually the least freakish character, but he's yeah. the character they push more towards being realistic and less yeah. cartoony. So he comes off better than any other characters. Yeah. And him being the main character, they put <laughs> more God. time into yeah. making him, like, his movements and stuff look better. But... Just, yeah. Ugh. Oh, the only movie I watched this week to speak of was The Sweatbox. Oh, yeah! So, friends, if y'all oh, did, aren't, aren't old school um, animation nerds, you may, may not be familiar with this. Um, the Emperor's New Groove was originally in development as a movie called Kingdom of the Sun by, um, I can't remember his name now, Richard Albers, who was a uh, director of The Lion King. Yeah. And it was going to be kind of an old school Disney movie with music by Sting. And um, part of Sting's stipulation uh, for doing it was that he wanted um, his wife, who's a documentarian, to be able to do a oh, it's documentary. Just how this got made. Yeah. Oh, it, I was part of why his... it's such a strong Tintin uh, bent to it. You mean Sting? Sting. To it? Yes. They have, they have, <laughs> they have similar hair, actually. <laughs> that works. They're both from Belgium. <laughs> um, and they're both terrifying in their own ways. <laughs> no, um,. Uh, so his wife is a documentarian, and he was like, oh, well, she gets to make an unfettered documentary about this. Except that ultimately Disney owned this documentary. Yeah. So she submitted a draft of it. They're like, yep, that's great. Locked it away in a box and never saw the light yeah, of day. this is why no, almost no one has ever even seen or heard of this documentary. Well, I know of it being an animation, but, there, no but one, that's about it. You're no never going to see it, it, like, even at an art house or anything Exactly. Like that. Yeah. So if someone leaked it on YouTube, and it's... Which has already gotten taken that, down. Has it? And in 24 hours it was posted. I, I went see, to that's watch, why I watched it immediately. Dylan and I watched this afternoon and an hour after we watched it was already yanked down. Yeah, I watched it immediately because man, so I remember vividly when I was young animation nerd that Disney came out with a book that was like a bunch of concept art from films and it was early enough that they had images from Kingdom of the Sun in there and it was a picture of um, the the popper character and his romantic interest, like looking longingly into each other's eyes, and I remember sitting there in the borders, like looking at this giant coffee table book and wondering what the fuck this movie was. Yeah. Little did I know it was going to be a terrible piece of shit. I, I've heard of this film. I've heard people have seen Sweatbox and thought, oh, well, you know, Disney locked it away because it makes the producers look like bullies who don't understand animation. And these poor, you know, battered animation guys look like just the, the little dogs and they're working so hard and then their yeah. dreams get squished and it turns into something, this beast of a movie. Well, okay, I will say this. A, I love Emperor's New Groove. I love Mark Dindal because Cats Don't Dance Emperor's, is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, Emperor's New Groove is one of my favorite Disney movies of yeah. all time. Yeah. It's a great film. It's definitely film. the funniest movie they've ever done it's 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 the closest thing to a looney tunes thing that, it's that it's ever very much so like cats don't dance and that's just rapid fire yeah. goof i need fest. to see that again i saw it once a long time it's ago. it's a rapid fire goof hate fest. It, but whatever you're dead to me scott bacula's a furry fuck you go fuck yourself <laughs> fuck yourself die i like anyway, darla or whatever her name was. anyway um yeah the the Eric big darla dimples me. sidekick the big gorilla guy is actually voiced by mark dindal the director oh, really? of this okay. emperor's new groove was he but the anyway. original director of emperor's new groove I had well hard he was the co-director of... oh okay because during it well yeah disney first have two film, directors yeah. yeah so anyway the the course of this movie goes is that robert albers i think is his name richard albers is trying to make this old school disney film as romance and all this stuff and based on the kingdom of the sun movie is supposed to be 
yeah. Big, uh, you know what? I didn't realize it was a Prince and the Popper thing. I thought it was supposed to be more of an actual historical well, see, film. Exactly, because okay, so it's a movie set in Peru. But it's Prince of the Popper. The prince turns into a thing to hang the whole llama production on. There, it's the Prince of the Popper, and there's a love story in it. It's like it, just hearing the pitch. There's too much going on. Yeah. So like, and all the little bits. There's like an there's a sidekick who's a talking rock. Yeah. There's a part he sounds where, like one of the gargoyles from uh uh shit in France. <laughs> Hunchback in order yeah. And every single clip they show from this movie is just a fucking train wreck. It looked and the worst. Like the no, no, and not really. The t- character designs look crummy. <laughs> they look bland yeah. and unmemorable. Yzma was still I could, No, see? Yzma's character design was awful. <laughs> the whole time I'm looking at her character, I was we thinking, We should go watch oh, this again. Oh, wait, Lord. that's right. It's already taken down. And it's just like, and the songs, there's a part where there's a part where Steve is trying desperately to come up with a song. <laughs> and there's Dylan this, was laughing at the exact same part. He's, he's, the song is Lama, 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 and I'm sitting here going, that's not how you say Lama. <laughs> the reason why they're singing Lama, Lama, Lama is because it goes on, it's a Lama panorama. <laughs> and I'm just, like, looking at Sting like, you well, fuck. He also just blatantly rips off what My Fair Lady Oh, yeah, he's like, I'm trying to think of a song <laughs> for this rock character. And I thought about, there's this song from My Fair Lady where he's like, why can't a woman be more like a man? And so instead, there's a scene where it's Sting ripping, he's like, why can't a man? be more like a rock and like the original film is like owen wilson and and david spade it's just a fucking train wreck <laughs> like every single part I'll from this it. film they show is just awful i get about halfway through the movie kind of going oh man it's so su- it sucks that these artists see i felt their bad got them. crushed and i was I like man these producers them. are dicks for like saying this movie sucks and then you, mm-hmm. yeah, you start seeing more of it, and you're like, "Oh man, that doesn't look necessarily bad. look great." But then when they come around with the Emperor's New Groove stuff, the same producers like, "Yes, this is awesome. This is great." And Emperor's New Groove is a great movie. And I'm like, "Oh man, maybe maybe that movie really was shit." The original version of the Emperor's well, New Groove. Well, see, Bruce that's the thing. As they're talking about this film, I mean, like... the producers are turning this down. We're also the same producers who were in charge of like all of Disney's other big '90s. I think they made so the they, totally they, the right decision. They probably not stupid people. I would have made every single decision they made, and I felt like yeah. a dick because the whole time I'm watching this, these poor artists are putting their heart and soul into this crap. You can see film. they're kind of like, man, these guys are getting kicked crappy in the nuts film. for this entire duration of this so film. I feel so bad. Yeah, and it's really great because when you watch this whole movie, because I'd, I'd heard of Sweatbox, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, the animators seem like these poor battered souls, and like these producers seem like dicks. What's fascinating is the only person who comes off seeming like a dick in that film is Sting. <laughs> Almost Sting. He gets. <laughs> Attracted. Well, it yes. seems like what happened was someone so, someone must have come to him and said, oh, look at all this money that Elton John made off of Lion King. Yeah. Why don't you do the same thing yeah. for our movie that you did for The Lion King? Yeah. And then he gets contracted. What he thought was going to be like a six-month stint, just oh, writing yeah. half a dozen songs for the yeah. movies, turns into a two-and-a-half-year-long oh, yeah. thing where his songs are kind of getting constantly rejected or getting caught up in this thing of the oh, movie yeah. constantly shifting and him having to rewrite the songs My heart to catch up out with all him. these drafts of the movie that's that's constantly... It's clear that he's never done art by commission like this yeah, before, and, and so it just he's tears doing him apart. Best. Exactly. He's, like, they show him, like, he's... Lama Panorama is him giving 110%. <laughs> he's trying to write songs on the road while he's, like, on my tour. Favorite, my favorite part of this whole film is this, this one scene where basically the producers call. The, oh, the, the yeah, producer like, calls like, Sting. Sting, and he's like, Sting, so all those songs that you wrote, they're all going to be cut. And Sting just kind of, there's a pause, and Sting goes, I'm going to the Himalayas. <laughs> And Sting's like, <laughs> good luck. And then he's like, then, no, seriously, we're going to try to track you down. He's like, cut like, to <laughs> Sting in the middle And he's all fucking depressed. He's all like, oh man, I've been working on this shit for two years and I just, 
<laughs> and there's a, so so. Meanwhile, Sting is like, man, these people they don't understand my art. Sting the motion picture. Meanwhile, all the- these goddamn art animators who just had all their hard work pissed on and found that they have to come up with an entirely different movie in a year and a half. Well, using the same basic concepts because they they can't throw everything out because they've invested so much in this ink and epic story that they can't throw out all all this research. So So all these poor animators featuring at least some of the same basic characters in the same (laughs) environment, but like make a good movie out of the wreckage of what's what's left from what the producers have plucked out. Meanwhile, these poor animators are just busting their asses trying to make it happen. And a lot of these people... Andreas Deha, the guy who uh, animated all the biggest uh, villains from, like, uh, Aladdin and The Lion King and all that stuff. You see him when when they got the movie, he's just like, you know what, I'm I'm leaving too. This is... So he leaves, and then one of the the, the director, obviously the original director, leaves. Yeah, and they bring and in a new guy. And so all these poor animators, well, the co- original co-director basically becomes the lead director, yeah. and he gets a new co-director. Is that the cat's nose at the end? Yes, that's Mark Dindal, because okay. Mark Dindal was the co-director. He for knows the start. what he's doing. But anyway, no, it's just fascinating because meanwhile, all these animators, who by definition make art and commission all the time, are just busting their asses to abandon this thing they had gotten so attached to to make something else. And meanwhile, cut to Sting riding a horse, like Sting just like fuck all y'all and your bullshit. I'm an artist, goddammit. Yeah, he's complaining because he's in the middle of writing his new album and, like, having to rewrite songs as impinging on Sting his... Sting just comes out and out because, like, the end of Emperor's New Groove is going to involve building this water park and he doesn't like the idea of a water park. And... Yeah. Well, he was right, to be fair. That oh, note yeah, was no, a good right. note. It's just... Sting it's not just having fucking a good time hilarious. working for Disney. My favorite shot in the entire film is when Mark Dindal goes to Sting with a pretty close to final cut because they need Sting to write the ending, the song oh, for the credits. Oh, Sting's all sour about the Sting... movie and then he starts cracking up. Sting is watching the movie and he's just losing his shit in the background and in the foreground is the director Mark Dindal just absentmindedly eating nachos or something crunchy <laughs> so it's just this director because Mark Dindal's got a funny looking mook he's got like this strong jaw and this flat nose like yeah. no nose to speak of just eaten with kind of an open mouth and Sting just like ah, 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 ah. Sting <laughs> clapping while watching a Disney movie this is fucking weird <sighs> But oh. yeah, that's that's the sweat box. It'll probably it pop up again on YouTube again someday. But yeah, it was that's... upsetting. But the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, man, all these animation nerds that I've heard of who've seen this films were like, oh, it's about these artists being abandoned. That... I'm watching the movie, like, no, they made the right choice. That movie beat the hell out of what's what's the Disney documentary we watched a couple of years ago? We went actually went out to the uh... oh, the one that's on um, Waking Sleeping Beauty, which that wasn't bad, but this is definitely more. It seems like an actual. This was more how the sausage was made, and that's yeah. why it was fascinating because you They're never get swearing. to see that. Yeah, there are there are swears, and you can see all the miserable parts of animation because there yeah. are a lot of miserable parts. Uh, yeah, if 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 uh, this this movie, if you ever see it, will make you never want to uh, <laughs> submit a portfolio yeah. to Cal Arts. Or no, anything. it's great because you'll want to run the other way and just work on a, just die while working on a web comic for the rest of your life. Here's the theme of every single person who's ever worked at Disney. They grow up loving animation, want to be an animator, work shit jobs, and finally they get into Disney, do one film with Disney, run screaming, a broken man. It's I love, like, theme. the movie kind of starts, so you see, like, the, the camera crew is at Disney, and you see, like, at the Disney Animation Studios, now in production, Kingdom of the Sun and Atlantis. That's a <laughs> fucking tombstone of itself right there. <laughs> Jesus. Well, the Emperor's Renewed Groove was, like, the last good movie Disney put out before the, it collapsed. The, at I... least the animation unit. Well, no, you have a soft spot in your heart for Atlantis and, and I have a, I... Turkey Time. What is it called? <laughs> Treasure Planet Treasure... is Did awful. you see that's coming out on like, Blu-ray this year? Oh. Disney's putting out a shitload of Blu-ray shit this year, and tra- I think Treasure Planet's one of the things. Oh, man, Treasure Planet. Treasure Planet Just is pretty, that out there. pretty awful. The only reason why I like it is I love Captain Amelia and what's his name? David is she Hyde the Pierce. hot cat lady? 
Yes, she's Emma Thompson's cat captain. I think my it's car okay. you can say she's You can say she's hot. That's I don't okay. want to bang her. She's just fascinating because she's like Catherine Hepburn cat. That's kind of the character design right there. Yeah. Anyway, Sweatbox. You'll never get to see it. It was really upsetting. <laughs> oh, end. what else happened this week? Oh, have you ever heard of a, uh, a movie called The Speaking of Animation, A Town Called Panic? No. Look it up on Netflix Instant. It is the finest uh, motion picture you'll ever see. It Seriously? is animated. Isn't no. it stop motion animation? It is. It is a stop motion animated feature. Uh, I guess based off a Belgian cartoon mm-hmm. about uh, a horse, a cowboy, and an Indian just mm-hmm. living in this shitty town where everyone's retarded. And it's just about their adventures. There's no real plot to the movie. I, well, I guess because it's best based off the TV show, which is just random rambling. Yeah. And yeah, no, it's 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 like a little like, uh, almost like, you know, like little plastic army guys, little mm-hmm. green guys with yeah. their feet like molded together. Yeah. It's like that, but it's a little plastic Indian. The same thing with a little plastic cowboy and their little horse toy that would come with that set. Just going on fucking adventures. They end up blowing up their own house. It's a town called Panic. Watch that shit. That's what I enjoyed that more than I like Tintin, and that movie cost probably half of Tintin's catering budget. Yep. Um, was there other thing? Oh, draw something. That's the only other thing that happened this week. So, what is draw something? Draw something is just. Is it Pictionary? It's just Pictionary. Oh uh, yeah, just on your uh, iPad or iPhone. It's really funny though. Well, it's nice because it's it's um, it's Pictionary. But you get to choose, uh, they give you, it's a little, it's, it, there's a little mix of Scrabble in there, mm-hmm. where instead of uh, having to randomly guess what it is without any kind of context, they give you a bunch of letters that you're supposed to choose from. Yeah. And they also show you how okay. many letters are supposed to be in the name of whatever it is that you're supposed to be guessing. And so, yeah, you just draw a picture, send it off to somebody, and they'll guess what it is, and it just kind of goes back and forth. But it's just really okay. clever, yeah. If you ever, it's super stupid. If you ever actually played it, it's fantastic. It's like ninety nine cents. It's everyone I know is playing it right now. All I know you. is that those developers got paid two hundred twenty million dollars. Yeah, I like. Jesus. Zynga bought them out for two hundred twenty. You know what? God bless them. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's what happened to us this week. Uh, Geek Week in Review. I'm gonna do that real yeah. quick. Uh, Bioware's Ray Musica promises content initiatives for Mass Effect Three to address fans' complaints. More details are coming in April. You have any, do you the the rumor this? is that it's DLC called The Truth. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. I was I was assuming it was just going to be a motion comic at most that might kind of clarify a couple things. Dude, from they're the not going to do that. Why would they do? A it was either that comic? or this is going to be DLC they already had planned that they're just going to put out. And they, do you think they have to put put this DLC out for free? Because are they going to be able to get away with charging even if this DLC is exactly what everything everybody wants from the? I ending? love that you assume that EA EA would let them. Oh no no. People are, like, as much as people are flipping out now, if if they find out that in order to get the real ending of Mass Effect, you have to pay 10 to $15 to get it. There's precedent. Oh, no, no, I'm not saying there's no precedent. deal for Fallout. But this is a touchy situation for Prince EA Persian. right now. It really depends on how they handle it. It is not, it is not Bioware's call. It's no, EA's that's what I'm call. saying. Well, that's, that's, uh, man, there's and a, also, there's a book to be written about EA and Bioware's relationship in the making of Mass Effect 3 and, and all the fallout that's come out since the game's come out. I think Whereas, there's also, like, M- Microsoft has a limitation on DLC being free. Yeah. Like, I think they actually won't let you do I know, free they, DLC. Yeah, because they don't like the idea that you would, yeah. They want so, everything I mean, to not, have a value to it's it. It's not, it's it's literally out of well, their hands. Well, that's why they have a problem with Valve. Oh, did you see that Ash Birch, Ashley Birch from, uh... Oh, yeah, that she's working on a Valve game that is not Half-Life 3? <laughs> so yeah, that's that's. Oh, did you have you read Jeff Keighley's uh, The Final Hours of Mass Effect? 3 I've yet? not read all of it. 
It's okay. Man, Casey Hudson seems. Oh, I mean, I enjoyed. It's exactly like the Portal one, where it's 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 nice kind of side seeds look, but um, yeah, it's cool. It's worth like two dollars. Oh yeah, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, did you Casey see, Hudson seems like did an you see movie. the fake post to Penny Arcade? Well, I guess it's fake. Uh, where okay, how did they confirm it's fake? Because all the things that are saying, oh, it's fake. Were the dude? I didn't investigate. Well, anyway, so what happened was somebody posted to I guess one of the Bioware writers, who was one of the head writers on Mass Effect. Uh, well, maybe not head writers, but he's he one of the big writers on Mass Effect. I guess he is known for posting in the Penny Arcade forums. This is just a known fact. Um, it's been confirmed. It's 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 been known. Supposedly, he posted earlier this week that he talked about how the ending of Mass Effect 3 came out and how Casey Hudson supposedly wrote that whole ending. The, the part that pisses everyone else uh, off about Mass Effect 3, this, the, 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 the fa- like, uh, Casey Hudson, the head creative director, went off and wrote the whole ending all by himself without, like, getting well, Yeah, any... this is it. He said, yeah, Casey Hudson and, and Mac Walters, this is the head writer for Mass Effect 3, wrote the ending in a vacuum and refused to receive any outside. Um... Yeah, and then they just kind of came out and said, hey, this is a script, this is the ending, just, just execute this and they refused to listen to any negative feedback from anyone else within the team about, hey, maybe we should tweak this or we should do that. But then some, some, supposedly this something came out where that, that was fake or something like that. I didn't get no. into the details or something like... See, I don't know why people are saying it's fake, because what it said was, when you read that It was stuff, a well-written post. The dude was saying, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to get in treat shit in this. Please don't spread this around. Please don't attach my name to this. That is very different from saying uh, it's not true. So it's not fake, but it's in contention. But well, it's... what I thought was the most interesting part of that essay, and I think because it's this not essay necessarily doesn't sound wrong. It's not necessarily critical per se. No, no, no. It's just talking. Describing... He, he, what he says is like the ending of Mass Effect. Whatever you want to point at it is a very intellectual ending. Oh yeah, very super intellectual. It's very Star Trek. And he basically, in case he, he says, Casey Hudson is very. In, intellectual and analytical dude, which you read the final hours of Mass Effect, totally is. Yeah. Um, he's a focused dude, and how like he was convinced that this is the way the ending should be, and was refused to hear any discussion on that. But matter. this is somebody who had never had such hands-on like contact with the series before. I mean, he was creative director, but it doesn't sound like an any other. Casey point. Hudson. Casey Hudson. Literally, it was his series. Did you not read the final hours of Mass Effect? I was fucking drunk. He literally <laughs> invented it. He fucked up, motherfucker. It was literally his game from. Whoever wrote Mass Effect Two did better. They should have kept him around. <sighs> anyway, I'm just saying. Sounds... It's an int- it's a fascinating essay. Bill no, Mass Effect Two is not well, even the ending of Mass Effect. We can talk about that. Guess later. what? Every ending of every Mass Effect game is pretty lame, except for Mass Effect One. And even Mass Effect One was kind of lame. Mass Effect One, the actual game was lame. The who, ending was actually kind of yeah. Who? No one plays Mass Effect games for the ending. No one plays any video game for the ending. And you know what? Some people do. One. You know what? Which game? Minecraft. <laughs> Minecraft has the best ending when you shut off your computer. It's a nice segue. When it asks if you want to shut off Minecraft, that is the best ending. Uh, Minecraft is coming to Xbox Live Arcade on May 9th. I'm going to spend $40 on a copy for myself and $20 on a copy for Annie to force her to play the game with me for at least one hour, and then this you'll never why, have to play it again. This is why I'm so excited that you I'm, can't give people games on Microsoft. Because you, you have no No. You can't? This is one of the dumb things about the Xbox Live system. I'm going to pay you $20 system. to write nope. Minecraft on the $20 nope. bill. See, there's no way God you can make me damn. buy Minecraft. It's, it's so exciting. It's It's a good game. I don't give a shit about Legos. You say. It's not you know Legos. I it's have also Legos. exploration. You uh-huh. go, you dig, and yeah. there's monsters, uh-huh. and it's dark, and it's hey, scary. Bill, how's the narrative and character development? Uh, I, this is why I'm going to give it to you for free. <laughs> you, you don't have to play for more than an hour. This is a part of my psyche that I want you, want you to understand. All right. Yes. 
This is this is me being a cat, bringing a dead bird back to you, saying, "Hey, look what I did." Aren't <laughs> and you I'm so gonna be proud? so proud of you. You tried to share it with me. I'm gonna um, put it in a shoebox and bury it in the backyard. Uh, this happened a couple weeks ago. Uh, did you see the, these layoffs at Obsidian? Did we talk about this? Before? We may have touched on it a little bit. Poor guys. Uh, about yeah, it's the studio that did Fallout New Vegas. They also did Knights of the Old Republic too. Which that was poorly received. They did. Um, well, that's the thing. They did a lot of games that are really poorly received. They, they are did, ringers um, in the industry where they're they brought are. in to do sequels when the original creators are too busy to do sequels themselves, and so they never get to work on anything other well, than a fucked up time Well, they finally came crunch. up with their original IP, and it yeah. was that game. What was it? Not the Agency. What was it called? I own it, and I played uh, like the first Ninja two Turtles, hours. Turtles in Time. I played the first two hours of it, and then I stopped playing. Really? They. they... It had some really great elements. To oh, it. was that the Sega? What was it called? The yeah. Sega the published. It was like their their spy. It came adventure. out last fall. Yeah, yeah. It was like right out before Deus Ex. I have it. I bought it for five dollars at the grocery store. <laughs> Poor guys. And the thing is, is I that didn't realize that was playing that game. It's a totally solid game that clearly needed six more months of development, and they yeah. never got it. So they yes. Yeah, so That's the vibe I get from all their games. Like they get into a crunch period, and they have to push well, it out. The people who, who work who work there are known to be good developers. It's just yeah, yeah they they were just never given the time they needed. They, in all order these to... needs every single game they have ever done needed six months. Nice. The Republic is known for having like a whole ending that got cut because they just didn't have time to finish it. The files are actually on disc, but they just didn't have time to finish the cutscenes and everything. I loved Fallout New Vegas. Yeah, they got uh, crazy layoffs, and uh, they're saying that they didn't get their bonus from Fallout New Vegas because it only got an 84 Metacritic score, where it needed an 85% Metacritic score. That does suck. That does suck. Poor guys. Um, although I was never a fan of Fallout New Vegas, though. Fallout New Vegas is great terrible. Nope, you're wrong. I was just so bored you're of wrong. Fallout by then. Uh huh, you're wrong. I played so sweet. much Fallout 3. It Dude! Su- I sucked all the so juices out of that lemon. I played 300 hours of Fallout probably until. If I look back, I've probably in my entire life played close to 700 hours of Fallout. Did you see Epic Mickey 2 got announced? I never played Epic, Epic Mickey. Epic Stinky. One. I bought Epic Mickey. One, I played it for literally for about 20 minutes, and I was like, you know what? This game was fucking terrible. Controls were awful. Camera was terrible. Yeah. There was no voice. Not that I should always expect voice acting, but just even the presentation was just... It's hard to go just, back. It's it hard. It, it, felt, it felt like a Nintendo 64 game. Uh, but yeah, this new Epic Mickey game, it's two-player drop-in, drop-out co-op, where you're playing as Mickey and Oswald the Lucky Rabbit co-op. But that sounds actually pretty cool. But it's actually for modern systems. You can play with an Xbox controller. Hmm. That's a fucking check, and it's in the plus category right there for the sequel. We'll see what that's like. Uh, but yeah, it's supposed to be a musical somehow. Mm-hmm. Oh, that could be it makes sense that they're riffing on early Disney yeah. stuff. Um, one last... They announced the new Doctor Who companion. Why are you guys all shitting bricks about this? I don't understand. No, it's just... The new campaign, they should actually announce something about the character she's playing. Oh, they announced the lady who's playing her, and it's just another white lady. She's got brown hair. What? Yeah. I don't know. Here's the thing, dude. Yeah, you know what? You really hated... No, um, I know. I, there's no problem with the actress. It's just... I no, hope no, she's, no, no. I was just saying an interesting character. I hope she's not another contemporary white girl from London. Well, like what? You didn't care about... What's her name from the Assassin's Creed? Or the last... Assassin's Creed. Doctor Who? <laughs> You're fucking drunk. What's her name? I can't remember her name Amelia anymore. Amelia Pond? Yeah. She was fucking hot. You loved <laughs> Amelia Pond. And she was Scottish. I'm just saying. And she, had, she was dressed like a, a police officer. Yeah. You don't know what they're going to do with her. She'd be dressed like a terrible Native American stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that, that I guess Amy and Rory are coming back in the next season? I thought they were already wish, gone. Yeah. That would be crazy. I thought that story was over, and now they're already pimping up, like, like Amy and Rory are coming back for one last Weeping Angels episode, and blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, well. Let it go. I'm still mad at them for, um, that Rory and, and, and Amy still are around, 
and that um, or Amelia Sterling, and that uh, the um, uh, Muslim woman isn't his new companion. Muslim woman should have been the new companion. That's what I'm saying. This new lady, she better be goddamn good to make us forget about that Muslim lady got killed <laughs> off in that one episode. Uh, man, Pendleton Ward announced that Way Forward is making an Adventure Time DS game. Way Forward, they made uh, this game called Duck Amuck a couple of years ago for oh, the yeah. DS. That was really weird. Like, yeah. it did all the shit, like, it was based off the old Chuck Jones cartoon. And it had shit, like, where you closed the, the DS, you know, because it's, you know, folding thingy. Mm-hmm. And, like, Donald Duck, Duck would start cursing you out. And all yeah. kinds of crazy little mini games. It wasn't the most fun game in the world to play, but it was very unique. It was almost like an art game. But yeah, almost. but they they also did like what was it Chant Shantae? They're really good at two D old. They're they're the best two D old school, like platform game makers out there working today. Like if you wanted someone to make a new Metroid or something like that, these are the guys you want to get to make uh, that game. But yeah, they're making an Adventure Time game, which that should be fucking awesome. Adventure Time is fun. Adventure Time is nothing but a TV series based on Dungeons and Dragons video game shit anyway, so that should be pretty cool. Um, what else? Michael Bay is making a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Did you hear about that? Yeah, but I love where the, the turtles are aliens. Then, by definition, they're not Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I know. Which is just kind of adorable. I mean, I, I, this, can, I, mean, this I, does I was This sound like a... an onion strip. <laughs> that is the joke, Jesus. really. Jesus. Uh, do you care enough about turtles to care? You know, you like Raphael. Well, I was gonna say He's I. The I cool dude. They Wait, were arguably, is he the cool dude? No, no, no. no. Raphael had uh, was um uh had an attitude. Ah, that's why it is. Mike, Michelangelo is the cool dude. Well, Michelangelo is you know, yeah he's all part time. Donatello has a robot fist. Did something happen there? I don't know. Supposedly it wasn't Kevin Eastman from the original one of and the original Peter creators. Laird. He's involved. Mm-hmm. Peter Eastman or Kevin. So, so is they're both are. Because they both want those checks. <laughs> Did you know that there, at least there was as a couple years ago, there was still a daily Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic strip. What? In the was it drawn like the cartoon? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I'd read that. It's better it's than a, anything else. I was else so shocked. It. I was looking at the website of some syndicate and I was like, Are you, you know kidding what? Me? Better than Dune's Barry. <laughs> uh, Mobius is dead. Do you care about Mobius? Jean That's Gerard. such a terrible way to say that. I've never read he any of his comics. He was an illustrated way to com- he did comics, but... I've he- never read any of his comics. His, his comics He's hella pretty. influential, yeah. Yeah, he designed Tron. That's he right. designed Willow. Man, he designed... Willow. Um, he's dead. <laughs> There's not much to say. Mobius is dead. He was. I thought he was already dead anyway. <laughs> There's some great footage of Mobius drawing with his Cintiq. Yeah, and he drawed like one of his own drawings. Yeah. My first real... Uh, uh, the first time I ever really got exposed to Mobius was Phantom of the Attic, comic book shop in Pittsburgh. Uh, uh, water main broke. <laughs> Fucked up their entire inventory. And they had this big water damaged comic sale where you buy like every comic for like 10 cents an issue. And I bought this giant stack of sogging Mobius comics. And I, they had to dry out for a month before I could read them. Even the pages were all kind of stuck yeah. together. It only yeah. cost me $5 for like 20 pounds of Mobius comics. Mm-hmm. They were fun. But they were just like, the stories weren't that interesting, but the, the imagery well, look, was really it's, unique. You go to that, you don't show up for a story. You show he up was, he was flight before there was the flight anthology, pretty much. He was a one-man flight anthology. Encyclopedia Britannica is to cease printing its print version of its encyclopedias after 244 years. That's a fucking hell of a thing. Man. And the United's only been around in any kind of real functional, kind of like, interesting way for like 15 years. That's a quick death to the encyclopedia. Well, what do you mean it's only been around for 15 years? Well, the internet's been around for, what, like 30, 40 years? Like, in some kind of... But I'm just saying as far as, like, 
The internet as we know it, as everyone knows and uses it Oh, you today. mean the internet has already killed it. So I would yeah. argue that the internet... It killed this 244-year-old institution. It's not just the internet. That was People are happen. stupider? It was um, CD drives and all that shit. Well, that, why... that, that really old, that helped too, yeah. Because, I mean, I, I had, like, Encarta and Remember shit. Remember when that was the future when we would, like, if we wanted to look something up, we'd have to pop in a CD in or a CD drive and we'd look it up and yep. there'd be, like, in, like a tiny little 100 pixel by 200 pixel thing of Martin yeah. Luther King. That's how I f- learned about film noir. Yeah? was from um, Encarta, like, 95. Aww. Had an entry on film noir. I was like, oh, wait, I like this. Yeah. Aww. And about, um... Oh, I figured out how to hack, or not hack, but how to access the files on the disc so I could just play music from it directly. Memories. Uh, I'm looking up Encarta on Wikipedia now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, one last thing. Uh, a 150-year-old book containing hundreds of never-before-read fairy tales was found in Germany a couple weeks ago. That's just not much in the way of crazy news there. Just a lot of fairy tales that no one had, no one That's living awesome. had ever heard of before. Yeah. Although, supposedly, it's got a lot of, like, the old grim stuff well, and, sure. and things in there. But That's it's... pretty rad. To be the person who found, like, a 150-year-old German fairy tale book? Yeah. That's fucking cool. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to pull through that book. Man. Yeah. Fuck. That's awesome. I'd, I'd rather read that than uh, Instructions to Assassin's Creed Revelations. I bet you it has a marvelous ending. Yes, all those endings! Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about endings and movies, comic books. And video games. And video games. What makes a good ending from a bad ending versus a satisfying ending, which is not necessarily yeah. the same thing. But we'll yeah. be talking about all kinds of stuff like that. So, uh, Spoilers for everything in the <laughs> world that we like <laughs> in just a few minutes. Down in the first row an old picture show An old man is asleep The credit starts to roll I want to know the same thing We all want to know How's it going to end? Okay, we're back. We're here so to talk, we're about, talk endings. about endings, the end of things. Uh, yeah, we're just talking about how, well, this this all got started because, uh, as everyone's heard of, the ending of Mass Effect 3 was not really well received. Mm-hmm. And it's what got me thinking about what is an ending in a video game and what is an acceptable video game. Because when I think of most video games, well, I don't Well, we're going to be talking think... about all kinds of media, but video games, well, sure. yeah. The, the video ending of this one video particular. game is what started this all off. Yeah, video games are especially tricky because you've got the whole interactive thing going on well yeah it's like it's the expectation of what is the ending and i and i when Player i was saying, agency yeah yeah because when i was a younger person i remember the first time i remember thinking well that ending sucked in a game was with curse of monkey island which does have the a kind one? of no curse of monkey oh, island curse, is the not third secret one. of monkey island yeah. yeah and um so where they genuinely did run out of money songs? They genuinely did run out of money. Well, the thing is, they were going to write a funny song for the ending, but they ran out of money. And so the ending of that game is literally about 10 seconds long. Oh, really? But again, the question is, it's like, so is the ending when you put down the controller? Or is the ending, like... I didn't think of the ending as just kind of like being the end game. Well, that's the thing. I, I tend to consider the Mass Effect 3 in its entirety to be the ending of the Mass Effect yeah. series. Like, I, mean, people... I still agree that the ending sucks. Yeah. Like, I don't the think... actual, like, ending ending. I don't think the cherry on top... I think it was kind of maybe the not No, the it's got delicious sweetest. whipped cream. It just got a cat turd <laughs> instead of a cherry on top. But still, if you can take out the the cat turd and ignore yeah. the cat turd crumbs and kind of swipe that away a little bit, you got delicious Krogan whipped cream. I really enjoy your metaphor. Smear all over your lips. Kiss your girlfriend. Masturbate on it. Oh, yeah. Um... 
Because like we're trying not to spoil what the ending is. Or no, in, like in Mass Effect, about... oh, we're going to spoil all endings ever, yeah. and we spoiled it in the Mass Effect podcast. But um, the, I feel like the ending of most games is like can be the end half of the game. Because like I feel that the ending of Bioshock, well, the ending because you're really talking about the end of the narrative. That's why yeah. you really care about the ending of a game. Yeah. Is like how do you wrap up the narrative? Not really, unless yeah. the narrative changes towards the end of the game. But even then, like when I think of Bioshock, I think of the end of Bioshock being that conversation with Andrew Ryan and everything that happens after. <laughs> After that? that, actually, when I was because uh, I made a note of Bioshock, I was thinking about the quote. Well, this is the other thing with the uh, video games: a lot of video games have different endings depending on what yeah. choices you make. And so, the, so that also like, what ending are you talking about? Which is good because uh, Bioshock, I got the good ending where you save all the little sisters. See, and I don't. I was even, I'm not ending, even talking thinking, about and that's that. just that's not interactive. That's, that's a CG cutscene that happens sit after down you and watch bit, it happen. Because yeah. the boss battle was terrible. Well, see, that's the thing. I think of, I think of genuinely the the climax of that story. Is that conversation with Andrew Ryan? Everything that happens no, that's, after that's, that. That's the other, but that's not necessarily the ending because there's still like another two hours of but game. But see, after I don't that. necessarily. I think that. But is, yeah, you're not you wrong. Know, that is the climax. Everything though, else of the is story. just the falling action. Everything else is gravy. You yeah. know. Well, drawing up the list for today's podcast about great endings, a lot of it. I was. It was like not necessarily just what happens in the five minutes right before the credits roll, yeah. but for a movie or or even yeah. a book, what happened in the last couple chapters, how the story just gets wrapped up. Yeah. Which, that's when the story starts getting wrapped up, and Bioshock is with that conversation. Yeah. That's when all the cards are laid out on the table, and, and, and shit actually starts happening. One thing that I think kind of sucks about video games is this concept of multiple endings. Because, mm-hmm. like, for me, like I love gaming, and I love the narrative possibilities inherent in gaming. But with a game like Mass Effect, for example, when I played that game, that's what happened. That was canon. Yeah. And the idea of going back and replaying it it's like some weird alternate world that I'm less invested in. I don't want to have to replay. That's why with I'm it. not anxious to go back and play the Mass Effect games at I, all. Oh, I mean, I see, won't go back and play them, but like, I will my once, Shep, Miss, Mrs. Yeah. A. Shepard's story is told. Yeah. And even if they come back with DLC that like makes the ending better or yeah. replaces the ending, I already, I already got the ending in a Miss, Mrs. H. Uh, story. Yeah. Although, you know what? The one way I could worm around that is because I fucked things up with Liara in Mass Effect. Right? I was going to say, and you're also, I wasn't playing with it. my real face. Yeah. I I think I am when whenever they put out the bu- uh the supposedly patch. they're gonna patch it so you can yeah. put it in your new face and as long as that that patch also makes it so all of the stuff on the shadow broker imports yeah. correctly so your relationship with Liara is also yeah. imported correctly that might actually be what I consider my real your Mass Effect ending. game yeah. I'll have to make all the same cho- not that I will feel yeah. obligated to make all the same choices but sure. it's it's but you made all the quote unquote right choices. I made all the right choices, but it still doesn't feel like the right ending because I, I didn't have my face and and yeah. and the game fucked up, and I didn't couldn't pursue the, my romantic relationship the way I wanted it to, which is weird. Yeah. Nope. No, but I feel that. And way. by the time I do that, who knows? There might be a whole different ending for the game. <laughs> yeah. That, that's kind of a weird thing to happen. Yeah. It's like, but like that's the same way I felt with Heavy Rain. Like I, I really enjoyed Heavy Rain. Mm-hmm. I thought it was an interesting game. But when I finished, not all the characters survived. And, uh, like, I was reading something, I was like, oh, well, if you replay it and this, this, this happens, then you get this ending. Yeah. And that's cool, and that's great, but I don't, I'll replay that game soon, because it's been long enough. Mm-hmm. But I don't, like, there's a part of me that's like, the game ended, and that was my ending. Or, like, I Knights of the Old Republic, um, I, I played as a, as a Jedi, because, you know... I couldn't bring myself to be mean to people and be a Sith. Oh, it's like, oh okay. But yeah. apparently, like, I've always heard that the Sith ending of that game is the quote-unquote good ending. I think that's a canon ending they choose for the sequel. Yeah. That's the other thing with video games, too, with multiple endings. Then you're always going to have an ending, yeah. or endings that are cast off, because they'll have to choose one of those endings. So, like, again, with uh, Mass Effect 3 ends with multiple endings. There's different yeah. scenarios that play out. And uh, when if they ever do games that take place after Mass Effect 3, they're going to have to choose one of those endings to move forward. 
and as people as pissed off as people are now because uh, they hate those endings. On top of that, two thirds of the audience out there, their endings aren't even going to count for what yeah. happens in the sequels. They're going to be quote unquote invalid. Yeah. It's which, you know, can, canonically kind of invalidates everything you did in those games. See, that's why at the end of the day, there's a part of me that feels like it is entirely okay if your games all end one way, regardless of choices you make along yeah, the way. Yeah, just because... It, it just, you know... It, it, there's a writer, continuity, yeah. It be, even beyond the fact what happens in the sequel, just as a writer... Like, if you come up with three endings... Well, that's thing, one thing you've got the... Yeah, the authorial control is, is another big thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, well, maybe is, there's one ending that you put your heart and soul into, and then you're like, fuck, I need two more. Well, this is the thing, the Mass Effect thing is kind of biting them in the ass, because they kind of... Bioware's... And the people defending Bioware are kind of using the thing, well, this is our ending of the game, this is what we wrote, this is what happens. But marketing these three games it's so much been about you can make your choices this is yeah. your shepherd you're making your own story no two shepherd stories are exactly alike and everyone gets the ending and what this is what happens when people get the ending they don't like they think well fuck it this is my story yeah. this is not the ending i want yeah and so this kind of player agency that the, the bioware is trying to give players yeah Turns on bites them in the ass. That's why. And really... suddenly, this suddenly makes their authorial control seem yeah. less potent. You know, it's yeah. it's it, it, yeah. They kind of yeah fuck themselves up there. I'm really curious to see what happens with um, the whole Kickstarter thing because it's one thing like is something like in Mass Effect where you're emotionally invested in your character and in your decisions that you've made and you feel a sense of ownership. Mm -hmm. It's another thing where you literally have funded something. Like oh, I really fund... wait. What do you mean? Like with Kickstarter. Like Projects, the, are you talking about like the Kickstarter? Like for example, the double fine. No, 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 oh, no, 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 no. Okay, I'm talking about Kickstarter project related to Mass Effect. I'm talking okay. about this oh, is less about this endings. Is thing, but this yeah, is exactly. about ownership. When there's literally, if ownership. I were Tim Schafer right now, I'd be a little. I mean, I'm sure he was. He a has eighty-seven thousand people who think that it's th that they own this product and that yeah, they're. They think they're investors in the project. Yeah, not that they just essentially just put a pre-order down. Yeah, they think that like yeah they had because they threw down ten bucks. For yeah. this double fine game, they, it's they, gonna be yeah. fascinating. I signed up for the forums today as a as a as a donor because there's yeah. special donor forums. It's gonna be a train wreck. <laughs> that's gonna be the hottest place on the internet. Soon. <laughs> Holy shit! But anyway, man. that's a segue. They're gonna make a goddamn uh, fuck the social network. That's they're gonna make a fucking. They're gonna get goddamn. Uh, they're gonna have to clone William Shakespeare to come back. Yeah, he's the only one who could write. <laughs> <laughs> the movie, the screenplay for the movie uh, yeah. of what's going to happen uh, with the Kickstarter. But like, I feel like Bioshock is an uh, excellent example of like the whole idea of like which is the ending the author intended. Yeah, because the, there's obviously one that is because there's the quote unquote good ending, which is if you have saved the little sisters all along, which is what I did. Yeah, um, and which that ending, anyone with a heart did. That yeah. ending made me, even though it was kind of you know, it wasn't the most. It made me cry. No, that's a one, that's one of my favorite endings of all time. In a like, because you, the it's last a little shot, maudlin, no, 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 but I liked it. I mean, it just felt right with the tone of the whole game. You like game. old people, too. And you I, like little girls. This is true. You, you do not hate little girls, and you do not hate old people, so that's like that last one. shot of his, your, your, your battered old hand. So, okay, well, I guess, and then we'll explain it. Mass Effect 3 ends with, you save all these little sisters or Bio, from this. Bioshock. What'd I say? Mass Effect 3. Mass Effect 3. In Mass Effect 3, if you save all the keepers, <laughs> then, um... All those people die on the show! All those people die, poor Bailey! <laughs> No, but oh, I didn't even think about that. No, but yeah, no, Bioware, uh, Bioshock ugh, ends with uh, you, yeah, you rescue all these little sisters, all these little girls uh, from this uh, fucked up underwater city. 
Mm-hmm. And it's all about how they end up growing up and actually lead relatively normal lives. Yeah, thanks which, to your sacrifice. Thanks to yeah. you. And the, the actual, the and the good ending of the game ends with you, your character dying on his deathbed and you're surrounded by all the girls that you're saved. And they're holding and they your hand when your you hand. die. Oh my God. And that's the last thing you see in the game. And that's such a <gasps> great fucking ending. You, you feel like, yes. Well, I think the bad ending is something you hijack a nuclear sub and blow up Rapture, the underwater city, or some yeah. bullshit like that. Yeah. And I'm assuming it's the good ending they chose, because they did make a Bioshock sequel. And this I think true. there is, I don't know, you're not even playing the same character in the second game. Was it the second game is a prequel? Was it? Oh, that's right. Yeah, okay. So they sort of completely Which is the solution. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I know. Yeah. That's Something tells me the next Max Effect, that next Max Effect game is going to be I'm a prequel. I'm telling you, that's so what I, I keep saying. About any of this it's going to be prequel, because when you think about no, Mass Effect... Care. What's a Mass Effect game without Mass Effect without Mass Relays? Like seriously, at the end of the day, nothing can happen. <laughs> well, dude, that doesn't. People make prequels all the time. Prequels can have no, weight. There are a lot of heady questions in the past of the Mass Effect universe. Anyway, I don't want to hear the word genophage again. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I've already solved the genophage thing. And knowing how the game, knowing that everything's working towards it's a shitty ending. It's, it's, oh, it's the Star Wars effect, where I'm less interested in the prequels, knowing just how crappy everything's gonna, the whole so, story's going to So, let's turn talk out about anyway. more video game endings. You put down Silent Hill 2. <laughs> oh, my God! Silent Hill 2 has one of the most... I'm about to show you. No, I've seen this. this? Oh, okay. It has one of the most notorious and amazing endings of all time. We're going to talk about something about other than games in a bit, but yeah. You have to fulfill, meet certain parameters, and if you meet these certain parameters, the ending that you receive is that it has all been controlled by a dog. <laughs> a Shibu Hino dog! You're like, a Set. Yeah, it's a control like, room. It's got this little control. <laughs> oh my god, it has a little, little control center with like these big joysticks and stuff, and it's like barking with its little headset and controlling all the bad guys. And then your character walks in, and he's all fucked up. This is Silent Hill game, so it's, the whole game up to that point has been super realistic and grungy. And like, this dog is like living in this little pee wee playhouse set, and then you come up and your character passes out, like falls to his knees in front of the dog's face, and that like licks your face. And then your character passes out, and then just cuts to this picture of the dog's face, a close-up, with, like, this little dog yipping sound, like, it's just like, if I got that ending after playing that game, I would put my controller through the screen. <laughs> oh my god. They should have had the same ending. They should have the James Vega. They should have reenacted that. This should have been one of the possible endings of Mass Effect 3, is, is James Vega. <laughs> At the head, uh, uh, yeah, oh, oh my god, the little headset, oh, yeah. Anyway. Jesus. Um, I mentioned this in the past when we were talking about our favorite games, but Super my- Super Mario Brothers 2! Oh, yes, go ahead, Bill. I just want to throw that down, because well, so You mentioned this in your favorite video game, too, the ending where it's all been a dream. Yeah, it's, well, it's, it's its first game ending that really blew me away, uh, well, the game all turns out to be a dream, which for back in the day, back for, like, 1980, that was, holy shit! <laughs> and also just the production values of, like, the cartoon Mario sleeping, which yeah. was nice. No, it was actually one of the first video game endings that felt worthwhile. Yeah. Like, you, like, at the end of that, you were like, fuck yeah. That was yeah. awesome. Thank you, video game. Yeah. But anyway, we were about to say well, something. Well, see, that's how I felt. We, we mentioned this in our favorite games podcast. I really love the ending of uh, Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time. Yeah. That was my favorite. That Because that was the video game that kind of t- showed me what narrative could be to a video game. Mm-hmm. And I love that ending felt so perfect and so video game-y mm-hmm. that it just felt right. That's one of, still one of my favorite uh, games. Yeah. Right our friend Emily Carroll, she had also mentioned how much she she liked the ending of Prince of Persia 08, which was the kind of the Prince of Persia reboot. 
Not 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 of that original Xbox trilogy, but the one that came out that not a lot of people played actually. I'm still. I need to finish Which that, that had game. A, yeah, that had a very controversial ending. Well, I know that that. I mean, you want to talk about this sort of thing? That's that. That was a game that had a DLC epilogue. Yeah, because they uh, everyone was. This is another video game that the people who played Prince of Persia. Uh, Prince of Persia 08, not to be confused with Prince of Pre- Persia The Sands of Time. Prince of Persia 08 was with uh, Prince of Persia who has too small of a head and he's wearing a <laughs> turban. See, that's a, that's the thing I don't... like. I, that game is beautiful and oh, it's yeah. gorgeous. It's the self-shaded one. The protagonist is the most unappealing protagonist I've ever seen in a video game. Actually, yeah. no, that's not true. Almost as unappealing as the terrible um, semi-tied to the movie Prince of Persia. He looks like garbage Aladdin. <laughs> Prince of Persia 08. And he's voiced by Nolan North, and it's just Nolan North North. doing his Nolan North voice. It's like the apex of Nolan North just kind of showing up and saying, hey, I'm here in your video game. (laughs) What do you want me to say? Uh, But yeah, no, that ending infuriated a lot of people because uh, the lady, you spend the whole game trying to protect this lady, and she ends up sacrificing herself. And in sacrificing herself, she resets everything so the whole world is exactly like it is at the start of the game. Meaning that everything you've been doing for the last, like, eight or ten hours playing this game is reset. And that drove people fucking bonkers. Just, See, that's that's brilliant. It's from a narrative point of view. It's very interesting. It's, and that's it's that's kind the of a sands of time game. That's what, what happens in the sands of time, more or less. Yeah. Well, in the sands of time, which is the well, first game of that original trilogy. Choice, there's also the thing where did that have multiple endings over any no. of those first three games? No. Because uh, Prince of Persia: Sands of Time Part Three. What the hell was that game called? Not Warrior the grungy within. second one. But Warrior that within. that ending also loops back into the first game it does. too. Because it, uh, it also ex- explains why you're talking to Farrah, telling your story to Farrah. Because the first no, pr- the first game explains why you're it? talking to Farrah. I haven't played in a long time. Fuck you! I talked about this. This is why the first game is my favorite. The entire game that you're playing is is the original is the Prince, Prince of Persia. Of, in, in the original of Xbox Prince in, of Persia. <laughs> I know we're talking qualified. about. There's the original Prince of Persia from 20 years Just call ago. It there's Sands Prince, of Time. Sands of Time. Yeah. In Sands of Time, you are talking to Farrah, t- telling her about this whole Did experience she? because you chose to undo everything oh. that happened. But then something happens again to Farrah in the third game that she eh, doesn't remember. Cares? Some time bitch stuff. Well, the second, the second games do not exist in my brain. Yeah, the, two, the I enjoyed. Pl- I played them both, but the first game is such a yeah, perfect little, play those, yeah. perfect little game. Man, Prince of Persia. I feel strongly. Uh, Uncharted Three. The ending itself wasn't terrible, but it did this weird thing with uh, spoilers odd. for Uncharted Three, where it made a lot of weird story choices throughout the game. It's it's whatever problems that game had wasn't necessarily just in the ending, but there's a part where your partner Sully is is killed off. And I, for me, that was the emotional climax of the game for me. But then you find out that it's just a hallucination and he's alive okay anyway, and it really lets all of the air out of that game in terms of, like, oh, shit. Shit just got real. And I just go, oh, hey, hey. What's his name? Who's Uncharted's name? <laughs> Nathan Jake? Drake. Nathan Drake. He's like, Nathan Drake, I'm still alive. I'm like, gotcha. I'm incapable of being critical of Uncharted. I am capable of it. I love it too. Much. Just like, I mean, yeah, I ending, like, what? I'm just, but and I'm not necessarily saying wrong. Kind of kicks off like the last yeah. act of the game where you're trying to like, yo man, shit's real. Sully died. Got to kill those motherfuckers, and then they end up killing themselves. I just yeah. But, Let's talk yeah. about a good video game ending. Red Dead Redemption. Man, that saw, is my favorite video game ending of this up, generation. I was looking up uh, comments about Red Dead Redemption for the podcast, and a lot of people were slagging on it. They were talking about holding all spoilers for Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> Uh, the main character you play as, uh, James Marsters, star fucking James vampire Mar- slayer. <laughs> oh, wait, no, didn't he play Cyclops? <laughs> X-Mans? You, you... <laughs> Is it James Marsters? with rage, anyway. James Marsters, what's James his name? James Marston. James Marston. He died. 
It's my favorite ending of any video of the video game in this generation. It really that is. is it Jay, feels perfect. Marston's death at the end of that is the way that's staged is perfect. Is I It's, it's perfect. It's the studio that makes Grand Theft Auto games. Uh, Rockstar. Rockstar. They lean on the whole we're going to ape a video, we're going to ape a movie thing really hard for the Grand Theft Auto games to the detriment of those games where like uh are you being critical of the end of Red Dead Redemption? No, 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 no. no. I'm being positive. Okay, just... I was going to say get to your point here, no, my friend, cuz I mainly in, in the Grand Theft Auto games, uh Rockstar is known for leaning way too hard on just like Aping sh- like aping Godfather shit, aiming yeah. uh, uh, bu- or they wear their Miami Vice their stuff. Sleeve. Yeah. Uh, whereas the you know th- this being a Western game, there's you know some Western trope stuff going on from from other movies and stuff. But the ending of Red Dead, well, not even the end because that's not really actually the ending ending. Uh, when James Marsters, what's his name? <laughs> Get to the point so we can keep talking. When he died. Yeah. That's the one of the few things I've seen in a video game that kind of stands on. It's cinematic enough that stands on its own. It's not it's just brilliant. aping something else yeah. I've seen in a movie before. And what's right? brilliant there's lots about of movies it. where guys sacrifice themselves in order to save their families in other movies. But it's so unique that it's its own moment. It's not yeah. an homage to anything. And you could not do that in anything but a video game. Yeah, especially because you spent the whole game redeeming yourself. Mm-hmm. You yeah, the whole game builds up to this point. Like and even all beyond the stupid that, errands that you're running for people, with that stuff is annoying. The, but, the literal mechanic of it. Because, like, you walk, the whole game establishes the whole thing of how you can paint your shots. So you can yeah, slow yeah. down time and paint your shots. And oh, last, fuck! You walk out of this barn, and there are 12 men, and the time slows down, and you can paint your shots. And in your heart of heart, you're thinking, Meaning you maybe can... I can get out of this. Yeah, because maybe if I can only... go fast enough and shoot down at least half these guys before they can pull off a but shot. But you can't. And you can't. And you, you that is the best part. They give oh. you the agency to try. Yeah. There's no way you're getting out of that, but goddamn, they don't let you try to pull John, as many bullets in these John guys Marston as possible. goes down fighting. There's actually something, like, Halo Reach does something very similar, where they put you in a fight you're never going to win. You're essentially overwhelmed, but they yeah. let you fight that fucking See, fight until you go down. That's always great. I enjoy um, that. But that's rare because you know you can only do that in a in game. In video games, everyone wants to win, wants to win. No one wants yeah. to be in a situation where you're going to lose. And like yeah, someone who makes a video game where they're going to let you die. And that was so brilliant too. In Red Dead, in particular, I'm pretty sure we talked about this, but it's great because then they have that fade to black and fade back in. And you think you're, the game's over? You think the game is over? And for all intents and purposes, the game is over. It gives you no indication. You and could then, shut off the Xbox, and you think yeah. that was able, yeah, the story's and, done. And a lot of people did. Like they they did they looked at achievements. I remember seeing some posts online for people... people going, "What? There's stuff after James Marston dies." But then you like, and then you get to like, they don't explicitly call out what you have to do. But if you played the game and you're emotionally invested, then you fucking go and you know what the ending is. Well, because when you come back after uh, what's his name dies, you play yeah. as his son. Yeah. Well, just even late, even before what's his name the main character dies, yeah. uh, the whole there's like a good twenty minute chunk of the game, twenty minute half hour chunk, yeah, where uh, you've been spending the whole game killing people. People. Yeah. This last thing in the game, you're just it's you settling down on a farm. Yeah. This is what a lot of other people complaining about because people are fucking stupid. <laughs> was oh, you're just teaching your son how to shoot. You're just going fishing. You're just going hunting with your, with your son. What the hell is this well, crap? See, those are people who are reacting it from a gameplay perspective. Because from a gameplay perspective, it's not interesting. It only works if you're emotionally invested in that character and his situation. Yeah. But from a storytelling point of view, it's it's, it's what would happen to you. He's, he's trying to yeah. settle down with his kids, but his path catches or his past catches up to him. It's and, perfect. Uh, but then, yeah, so and uh, these bad guys do show up after your characters try to settle down on this farm, and they do end up taking you out, and you just buy yeah. time for your family to escape. And and it cuts, like, uh, yeah, when your main character dies, it jumps forward 10 years, and you come you come back, and now you're playing as your, like, 20-year-old son, 
out to fuck up the people who killed your character oh, man. in the scene earlier. This is something reminding me. I had a dream Tuesday night that mm-hmm. I was Abigail from Red really? Dead. Oh. And somehow Jack was dead and I was alive. Wow. And 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 and, and James or and, and John was dead and so you got me saying James, god damn it. And <laughs> um uh, so and all I had left was this dog, this battered old black dog that was all that was left of my family. People kept trying to kill it, and the very end of my dream, I actually woke up sobbing because the end of my dream was that someone had poisoned the dog, and the dog just comes into the kitchen, or I'm cleaning, or I'm doing like fucking like potatoes or something, and this mm. dog wanders in and it's just foaming and its mouth, its eyes are so wide and so scared, and I get down on my knees and I'm just holding the dog's face and watching it as it dies, and I woke up sobbing uncontrollably. Poor Abigail Marston. Wow. Anyway, I only have dreams where I'm just clearly a identified with that. <laughs> well, anyway, let's go on to movies. The ending of the movies. Yes, I'm looking at your list, my friend. Oh, do we have? Oh, we have comments. Uh, people from Twitter. We could. I didn't know any of these game endings, so you can go ahead and read their things. Wait, what? Thing? What movie endings? That so you're talking about comments on game endings. No, we'll talk about that. Well, when we're done with talking about our comments, we're gonna talk about cut Twitter out this feedback. entire thing. I'm just saying, <laughs> you confused me. Uh, Empire Strikes Back. This movie. We're gonna talk about movies endings. Yes, that's why I just said let's talk about movie endings. Uh, oh, the, the uh, what I want to talk about the Empire Strikes Back is how a lot of misguided dumb motherfuckers <laughs> who uh, either put together a cliffhanger abrupt ending for their video game or their movie. I've seen both people within the video game and movie industries mm-hmm. point to a shitty ending that they've produced and point to the Empire Strikes Back as saying, well, Empire Strikes Back had a cliffhanger ending. This is what we're doing. Empire Strikes Back's did not have a cliffhanger ending. Shit was unresolved at the end of that movie, but there was There's a lot. There's yeah. an ending to that movie that makes sense when the uh, the 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 camera uh, Iris is out at the end and says, you know, directed by Irvin Kershner. That that you, you the movie's over and you understand yeah. there's shit unresolved, but you're not like left going, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, uh, was it Bungie? They did, uh, you know, they made the Halo, Halo games, games and yeah. Halo Two ends with, you're. You're essentially picking up the controller again what, to play what you think is going to be the final mission of the game and suddenly cuts to credits. It ends like almost in mid-sentence. Mm-hmm. And the guys from Bungie, when they were pointing at Empire Strikes Back, saying, it's a cliffhanger. No, that's not a cliffhanger. Cliffhanger, if if, if Empire Strikes Back had ended the same way that Halo 2 did, yeah. the movie would end right after Luke Skywalker jumps off the bridge, right after he gets his hand <laughs> cut off. Going, no! <laughs> Produced by Bungie. <laughs> um, and I've seen other movie people, like, especially people who do shitty horror movies and stuff like that, or, I don't know, it's just, it, oh, fuck. No, Empire Strikes Back, it's, don't do what the Empire Strikes Back did. It's, it's almost like thing. Star Wars emotionally stunted an entire generation of storytellers. I know! And they think, yeah, fucking stupid people. I love Star Wars, but I wish I could clean it out, cleanse it out of storytellers' brains sometimes, where... <laughs> I, I should talk, considering I'm one of the people most poor. I was going to say, you, you are in that camp, but at least you're self-aware. <laughs> I know. At least I know how much it's polluted my brain. <laughs> On the same tip, Return of the Jedi. Uh, this is actually one ending I want to talk about, Return of the Jedi's ending itself, how that's interesting. Uh, according to Gary Kurtz, who was the producer in the first two Star Wars movies, uh, he's always said that George Lucas's original idea for the end of Return of the Jedi was that everyone was going to go their own different ways at the end of Return of the Jedi. Instead yeah. of everyone hanging out and there being a big party at the end of Return of the Jedi, it was going to be like, you know, they overthrow the Emperor, but, uh, you know, Leia, she ends up, yeah, she ends up having to rule the galaxy at the end because yeah. she's the only, like, real royalty left. 
Uh, Luke, he's got to go help, you know, rebuild the Jedi Order. Han just goes, you know, he's a fucking space pirate. He likes hanging out, but what else is he going to do? He has to go back to space pirating and stuff. And I always thought that was very cool. And uh, supposedly George Lucas thought that was too depressing for little kids. Well, I kind of like the party at the end. Because those characters have earned a party. But it's more realistic. I mean, the fact that the party makes sense. I'm not saying there shouldn't have been a party. But, like, after the party would have been nice if everyone... You wanted that to be text and not subtext. Yeah, it it would be more realistic if, you know, like... Everyone got together to fight this big war, but the war's over. There's nothing really uniting everyone. Not to say that people still you want to have it be like the end of um, what's the uh, the Will Wheaton movie where they find a dead body? Stay by me. Stay by me. I want Han Solo to get stabbed in the neck while waiting in line at Burger King. Um, But yeah, this has kind of opened up the thing where like in all Star Wars expanded universe stuff, I keep on reading like like an exciting brand new novel in the Star Wars universe takes place 20 years after the events of Return of the Jedi where Chewbacca and Luke Skywalker are babysitting Han and Leia's grandkids or something like that. Where I'm like, what? No, that's not... That just sounds stupid. Like, why would these characters who like who got together well, in a like... war hang out for the rest of their lives just like babysitting each other's kids and stuff. It's kind of like the implication, like, whenever you read Harry Potter fan fiction. Yeah! Like, where Harry Potter fan fiction is all about them hanging out 20 years from now, and how sad that is. Their lives freeze right at the end of that story. That's why people were pissed off. Well, well, we can talk about the Harry Potter ending later, but a lot of people were pissed off at, like, uh, what's his name? Badass guy. Neville. Yeah, Neville. Neville (laughs) goes on and lives his own life. That's my favorite part of of Harry Potter. He doesn't marry Luke. He marries a muggle. Yeah, he marries someone else. (laughs) People were pissed off that he, like, doesn't marry his high... Like, not everyone got married to whoever they were dating in high school. (laughs) That's realistic. Yeah. Well, realism and and, and a satisfying narrative are two different things, my friends. But it is realistic, logical shit in a narrative. Yeah, it can be refreshing. Let's put it that way. Uh, you know what? There's no sound in space. Star Wars would be really boring for realistic. <laughs> one of my favorite things in Mass Effect, to touch on it again, they harp on this a couple of times in Mass Effect 3, is, what is what do they call it? Sonic, um, they, they, they make a note of saying in the universe that they have, like, whenever they look at space battles or looking at stuff, that they have, um, basically Foley devices in the ships that, um, synthesize what those sounds, oh, what, okay. what the human brain wants those sounds to sound like. So if they feel like they're in a war. Because otherwise yeah. it's like, you're fighting in the middle of this big war and you, yeah. it's like you're sitting at home. Cortez talks about how he's like, I'll be watching stuff and I'll turn off the sound effects and just watch it float through the void and it's really... Oh, I forgot he does I love about that. that. Yeah. I love a fucking love Mass Effect. Anyway. The auditory theater or something he says yeah. under the effect. Anyway, one of my favorite endings of all time is in the movie Clue. If y'all which, have not... Which ending? Not enough people... See, that's the best part of Clue. Though actually, of course, my favorite ending of Clue is um, what is it? I'm gonna make... I'm gonna go home and fuck my wife. That's my favorite ending <laughs> I think that's... Is that how they all end? I can't remember. No. They end differently. Uh, so Jonah Mark from Get Shot. Clue, it should be terrible, especially if you've not seen it, and just think about I'm it in the context people, of modern they're, films. They're smart enough to listen to our podcast, they've probably seen Clue, but if you have not but seen if you Clue... you have not seen it... No, a lot of people haven't seen Clue. Clue, the Clue 1985 live-action motion picture starring should Tim not Curry be good. based off the fucking board game. It is amazing, because it is exactly like the board game. There is a, a murder, Mr. Body dies, and all the characters have to figure out what happens. There's a French maid with big tits... There's Peacock Lady, who she's like, oh! There's if you guys Doc are... Doc Brown from Act of the Future, he's green. If you Let me finish. If you guys are like me <laughs> and watched a lot of mystery growing up, do yourselves a favor, do a double feature of Murder by Death and Clue. Flames. <laughs> 
from the sides of, the my side face. of my face. Madeline Kahn is amazing. Kahn. That is the movie made me fall in love with Madeline She's, Kahn. She's that is my favorite turn by her. And what's her name? Who plays um um the uh, um Mrs. Peacock? Yeah, she's oh, also older great. later. Yeah, she's, she's like, oh, hilarious. She is also Everyone in Murder by Death. A fucking, yeah, Murder by Death, which I had not seen until like I, I. I think I made you watch Murder by yeah, Death. Yeah, you made me watch it, and it's got Truman Capote. Yeah, it's fucking weird. It's actually Murder by Death is better weird. than Clue. It's, it's yeah, hard to watch. With at least right, it's it's faster paced than Clue. Yeah, but well, they're so both great movies. They're, but they're they're a very good double feature. But well, Clue is fantastic, and then Clue has Murder three different endings. Some weird racist shit where it's got Fu well, Manchu. Like, but oh, to be fair, they're riffing on they're riffing know, on yeah. the original racism. But it, that's a hard thing to do. Murder it's hard to make fun of racism. Kenobi. That's right. It's Alec Guinness, an amazing role. That was the role Alec Guinness was playing when he got the Star Wars script. Oh, seriously? Yeah, it was. He was like in his trailer in between Alec breaks, Guinness where he opened so up the good. mail and it says George Lucas, please. Oh my God. Be in my fucking Man, movie. now I'm just having flashbacks murdered by death. Young Maggie Smith as Nora from God, Thin I'm Man. Gonna watch that again. Larry Nivens okay. as um Anyway. No, anyway, so. Clue is amazing because Clue actually was released in theaters with three different endings. And yeah. depending on which screening you saw, you would see a different ending. Which is ballsy as hell and great because it's Clue, you know? Like there could be different it's endings. It's like the it's, game. It's it's, it's it's a movie with multiple endings. It's brilliant. Well, you know, during the press for This Means War, I think I talked about this a while ago, uh, maybe not, for the look you're giving me, which is the shitty Chris Pine, Tom Hardy, Reese Witherspoon feature. Uh, it just came out like two weeks ago and, came out and no one cared about. Well, here's the thing. They were talking about joking that, that McGee, the director, the prestigious director. Oh, it's McGee? Of course it's a wow. McGee film. He had said that how, because it was about these Chris Pine and Tom Hardy chasing after this girl. And, um, uh, and and uh, I seeing the trailers are great because the whole time you just want Chris Pine and Tom Hardy to make out really hard if you're Annie. And uh, anyway, um, apparently McGee had talked about having filming multiple endings: one where she winds up with Chris Pine, one where she winds up with Tom Hardy, one where she does not wind up with either of them, and and one where the boys wind up together. And Tom Hardy apparently he said this in passing, and Tom Hardy was pushing hard for it because he's like, oh, no, you have to. Tom Hardy does not give a fuck. That's because I love Tom. What's the ending of Bronson? <laughs> Bronson hates everyone. <laughs> And he's okay. Bronson is always happy. That's all. If if anyone listening to this has ever had a sexual fantasy about uh, Tom Hardy, you should go no, Bronson. No, no. See, no, Bill. See, you. That is you how I know that you are. Cake. No, 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 no. That is different. That is how I know you are a heterosexual male because you do not walk out of Bronson wanting to fuck Tom which, Hardy. Which is the role that you want to fuck Tom Hardy in? Inception. Yes. You don't see much of him, but he's he's classy. He's, he's great. Suit. He's the mo- that is his most likable character. Bronson is not a likable character. <laughs> no, Bronson is a crazy fuck. You get to see his rip though. He well, yeah, he can tear an elephant in half. Well, yes. Yeah. With his dick. I can't believe that movie's coming out. Bane oh. kills Batman. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. We've really veered off topic here. Seen- Clue is great. Everyone go watch Clue. Go see Clue. Truman Capote's in it. <laughs> no, that's death. Murder right death. Oh. Anyway, country for all men. Have you seen this? I have not because it is not a movie for me. The movie will make you wonder if your if your DVD is playing correctly. No, seriously, <laughs> it's this that movie. No, yeah. Uh, the ending of No Country for Old Men. If it were Star Wars: The Empire Strikes Back, it would be as if it ended right in the middle of Han Solo talking to Lando Calrissian when they arrive on Cloud. Oh, no, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> Where it's not like a cliffhanger in the movie, just stop. <laughs> just get, they ran out of film. If the movie just ends with like Lan- Han Solo going to uh, Lando saying, "Man, where's the bathroom?" <laughs> and then he just kind of looks at the camera, and just smash cuts. Thank to you black. for explaining it to me in Star Wars terms, so I can understand. Uh, no, no, no country for old men. Well, the the, the the basic 
the the story is resolved because it's uh everyone chasing each other about this uh, fortune uh, that's been dug up in the what the Texas desert. Yeah, and that story does kind of get resolved, but then it goes on for an extra twenty minutes where it's following Tommy Lee Jones is kind of walking around talking to an uh, old dude from Northern Exposure about what it is to be a lawman and an old man in Texas, and then uh the fugitive come home. I just knew his name, I'm Tommy just Lee Jones. You keep Tommy going. Lee Jones comes home, and he's talking to his wife about a dream that he had about his dead dad. Mm-hmm. And he t- tells her about this dream about how his dad had, like, a fiery horn or something like that. And he finishes saying that, and the movie just stops and ends, and that's it. I remember, I, I was watching it, that's a ball of shit, because, like, I'm, I'm pretty open-minded about shit. And even I was like, wow. <laughs> Fucking uh, Coen Brothers. You know what I think? this too i don't know maybe i'm just thinking about this because i just watched it again recently was a uh, true grit i really like the ending of true grit true grit the ending is great uh because if you could remove the terrible weird green screening of that one the horse l- scene the horse scene where he's running home with her and the sky is all green screen yeah. if you could somehow fix all that the ending of true grit is perfect but i like it uh what's his name uh, uh rooster coburn yeah uh he ends up de- well there's this great thing where uh you think uh well i like how you basically learn that, that little girl is tough as shit yeah <laughs> She's I mean, fine. I'm not gonna spoil True Grit's ending. That's not like a real twist Spoiler, ending. That little about. girl's tough as shit. She's tough as shit, and I like the fact that there's a, a True Grit. You know, it's, it's all about this little girl, and she's doing stuff. And uh, the last uh, ten minutes of the movie jumps forward ahead, what like twenty five years? Yeah. And he gets to see her as an adult, and she's gonna go visit uh, Tron. <laughs> I said I need to write these <laughs> actors' names down. Do you mean Jeff Bridges? Yeah, she's gonna go. She's gonna go visit Jeff Bridges. Who they spent the rest of the movie together, and and you find out that he's dead. And but it's not the fact that he's dead isn't a big thing. It's not like she she goes burst into weeping hysterics or anything like that. She just shows up five minutes uh, after he's dead, and it's kind of she's wait is it sad. Jeff Bridges is Jeff Bridges in True Grit? He's in True Grit. You know he's in True Grit. He just dies at <laughs> he dies off camera at the end. Very I don't remember any character who's not um. Oh yeah, Jeff Bridges is the reta- is the yeah, dude. Yeah, he's the he's dude. He's John Wayne in True Grit. Okay. Yeah, his character is such an awesome character portrayal. I don't think of that man as Jeff Bridges. Yeah, it's he's, a great performance. It's funny because everyone's known that kind of guy in their life. Was an old man. Oh yeah, especially an old ass motherfucker. Like I've known right many there. of those men. So next on your list, and well deserved, is Children of Men, which does have which is an amazing great movie film by great en- with great an ending. amazing ending. Ah, oh, so good. It is slightly undermined by the fact. So the ending of Children of Men, you're this on is, this. This is more me complaining. Not, not. I think it's it's valid. Yeah. It's a small thing, but it's a valid thing. So the ending of Children of Men is this mad dash to try and get this woman to this organization that will possibly reverse or somehow like like re- help stop this terrible plague that's afflicting all the genophage. The genophage, yes. And um, women can't but produce the thing babies is, anymore. It's all rumors and hearsay, and you don't know for sure if it's real. Huh. Like you're just rushing towards this hope, this glimmer of a possibility, and the protagonist just gets fucked up in the process, and he's barely alive, getting this boat to this spot at this certain time so that she can make contact with these people, and he is dead. He is all. It is his. His life's blood is leaving his Trying body. Trying to get this pregnant lady, hand hand her off to these scientists who can help fix humanity and get yeah. humanity making babies again. And this boat emerges from the mist and it and that's it. To collect the lady and that's it. But the boat's name you see it's, is it's tomorrow. tomorrow. Which bad. the fact that the, the, the boat's name is just too much where it's a little too like we because get it. It's great ambiguous. Yeah. Just like it's just a boat Well you're not you know, like you see the boat show but you can't even be guaranteed that it's a good no. guy's boat. You just see that yeah. a boat shows up. It's it just could a be boat. the bad guys, but it is a boat. 
It could be they can have fucking guns and shoot the pregnant lady, and that's that's the end of humanity. Yeah. Uh, because just... bad guys are chasing yeah. the pregnant lady in uh, Born Identity. Bad guy. <laughs> I can't believe I know these rules without the actors. Clive Owen. Oh my god, all the movies you're gonna name him, you're gonna name him Born what Identity. Name him? That's all I know. He was he was the head bad guy. Well, not the head back. He was the chief bad assassin in the Shortly first after movie. Kingdom of... Uh, or not Kingdom of Heaven. Um, Children oh, of King Men. Arthur? No, no, no. He was I didn't, King Arthur, though. Was he? I never with saw titty King chick with no tits? <laughs> you know what I'm no, talking No, he was about. in that terrible movie. I think you went to go see it with me. What was it called? It's called Shoot 'em Up? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> so that's what he's like. <laughs> Where he's like banging the whore and shooting people. Isn't there uh, something? Isn't he fuck- and he chews carrots like Bugs Bunny. Is he not fucking Monica Bellucci while she's <laughs> yes. lactating milk? So that's what I'm talking about. She's she's a prostitute and she, it's like she's pregnant or something or she just gave birth and he's shooting people as he's he's shoving her and she's lactating or something too. And There's something about lactating. breast milk and like it's really that awful. Got- it was amazing to watch that and Children of Men right on top of each other because that's one of the worst movies I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. Anyway, Children of Men's good. Children of Men is so good. No, Children of Men is, is so yeah, good. Yeah, repugnant. <laughs> Anyway, we like action movies like Children that. Children of Men. Movie. Children of Men is a really good ending. Oh man, uh, The Mist. I've man, never I seen The Mist. Spoil this is based off a sh- uh, Stephen King short story. I can't remember. I read the Stephen King short story. I can't remember if the movie, if the if the short story ends the same way as the movie. Uh, the Mist. We're not even talking. Are we talking about why these endings are good, or are we just yeah. rattling off endings? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess we could we could do a better job of riffing on why the endings of, are good. Well, no, Children Man was good because it's so ambiguous. Because yeah, you're ambiguous. fighting for everything. What is more hope. ambiguous than the name? This glimmer of hope. Guys. Well, actually, it's even funnier if it's a it's a gunboat named Tomorrow. It's <laughs> 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 bills underneath the word Tomorrow. Uh, the mist. <laughs> this is fucked up. Uh, the mist mm. is about uh, it's the Punisher goes with his kids. To the supermarket. And while he's at the supermarket, this mist rolls in that totally encloses the supermarket. And if you walk out in the mist, you get attacked by alien monsters. You get killed. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems like the whole world's ending because there's no radio communication or anything like that. You're essentially stranded on this desert island of a supermarket. You can't get out. And uh, what's his... Uh, the Punisher finally gets out with his kids. This guy played the Punisher. I can't remember his name. Is it Tom... Something. Yeah, something. He got a face. Kane? Something? <laughs> Write us if you know who played the <laughs> Or Punisher. is that, that could be Thomas, or like, the Punisher's actual this, name. This is actually one of the ballsier endings I've seen to a, a, a mainstream movie in a long time, where uh, he finally does make it out of the supermarket, barely by the skin of his teeth, with his kids, out to a car, and they're driving along. Because uh, for some reason, these monsters, they kind of, like, work by, like, heat, mm-hmm. or something like that, where, uh, if as long as you're enclosed in a vehicle or something, like, they can't see you, so... yeah. Yeah, they get in a car and they're tr- they're trying to drive away and they're trying to find humanity, but they run out of gas. Mm-hmm. And so now they're stranded out in the middle of nowhere, miss. They can't go anywhere because they're going to get eaten. Right. And uh, they're essentially about bound to starve to death inside this car. And so he's got this gun and uh, he's only got so many bullets and he realizes that he's going to have to kill his family just to put, you know, be, it's yeah. either that or they're going to get killed by the monsters. And so uh, it's him, like three members of, of his family... But he's only got enough bullets for them, so he has to kill them, and he's gonna have to sacrifice sacrifice himself to the monsters, which he does. He kills him. He kills his entire family, and then he walks out of the car to sacrifice himself for the monsters. He walks twenty feet and finds this, uh, the army in a tank, and they're clearing out and they're killing Seriously? all the monsters. And it turns out this whole like mist 
monster invasion is winding down. Oh, seriously? And, like, if he had just held on for five more minutes, the army would have rescued him and his family, so he's just killed his whole family, oh. sacrificed him for absolutely nothing. Oh. It is fucked up, but it's such a ballsy ending. Yeah, that's brave. You know, and, like, it's, it's it's kind of a horror movie, but it's it's Frank Darabont, the guy who did Shawshank Redemption. It, it's, it's actually a pretty cool movie. But, yeah, it's just... That's ballsy as hell. That's a depressing ending, but that's the best, yeah. like... That's a great ending to that story, though. Yeah. That's totally like a campfire story. Yeah. Of an ending. And I just I fucking love the it. The hook was on the door. Ah! Oh, my God. <laughs> so, generally speaking, other movies with great endings. Generally speaking, bullshit. The first list on, the first one in your general, like, speaking list is my favorite movie ending of all time. Butch ending. Butch, Butch Cassidy, Cassidy and the Sundance Kid is, my, I, my opinion, the most perfect movie ever made. It's just, a, yeah, boom. it's 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 fucking. It is my number one movie of all time, and that ending is just perfect, perfect. Yeah. The movie ends with the the deaths of the protagonists. Well, no, but but, but they get they get the the, the chocolate factory. See, and they go up through the glass elevator. <laughs> the glass elevator but it's, shreds it's them totally to the red dead ending because it's them, oh yeah, that's a good point. Because they're yeah. they're hunkered down. And oh, they don't know they're gonna. They don't well, know they're, they're gonna die. Well, they're, well, no, no. Well, they 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 live their whole lives. They know see, they're this is not why, likely to get out alive. This is why Butch Cassidy's man. His kid. Butch Cassidy, go fucking see. It's on Netflix. Instant. Go it is. Watch that it shit. is my favorite movie of all time. It is my favorite Robin Hood movie yeah. because it is about bandits or people who know their life is untenable, but they keep on living it because they have no alternative. There's like an hour long making of Butch Cassidy documentary on YouTube. I just found too. Oh, that was actually done back in the day. I'll have to send you a link to that. Just, I just want to mention that up now. But um, yeah, so they, it ends with them and they're 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 kind of readying themselves for this this. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Yeah, so they're yeah. caught in this corner and they're readying to themselves to go out and, and fight their way through these guys. And they think there's maybe 10 or 20. Yeah. And that's still a and fucking guys, lot. But these guys are proving that they're capable of taking out a lot of people because, you know, they're fucking gunfighters. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's like, they that's 20 dudes is still a lot of dudes. So they're like, yeah, we can get out of this. We can get out of this. Well, little do they know, it's like the entire Bolivian army. There's just this great shot like 200 of guys just out there. soldiers, like, lining up. And there are just hundreds of them. Yeah. And Meanwhile, these guys are totally oblivious and like, we can do this. It's that fragment of hope. And they know they're lying to themselves, but they don't know how badly they're They have no idea that the moment they stick their head out that door, they're just going to get shot to literally the hamburger meat. And it's just perfect because like the last shot of the film is they run out and this shot just freezes in them in this mid-stride. I had this poster in my hallway for years. Well, it's a super iconic film. Oh, it's just perfect. And then it just freezes and then you just hear this this round after round after round of gunshots. But yeah, oh, no, the last, last thing you see of Butch and Cassidy are literally, is literally the last frame right Blaze before they would have gotten shot into pieces. It's, it's oh, fantastic. It's perfect. Man, have you seen Mwah. Young Guns 2? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> On the other end of the awesome Western spectrum. I'm leaving right now. Young Guns movies are terrible, but I love Young Guns 2 because it's all about Billy the Kid and his gang getting fucked up. It's like the end of Butch Cassidy, but slow motion and portrayed <laughs> by a bunch of like 90s, 20-somethings. Heartthrobs. Yeah. Uh, you know, everyone does die in that movie, which is pr- uh, pretty profound. Again, for like, uh, that's not the most amazing ending, for, but for yeah. a mainstream Hollywood movie ending, yeah. that's, it's pretty bleak. Man, uh, Lou Diamond Phillips gets a knife through his arm. Yeah. And it's all crazy shit. Everyone get killed. Well, I'm gonna make you watch that tonight. It's a great movie. Uh, Young Guns too. I love Young Guns too. I love uh, John Bon Jovi. Uh, and Butch Cassidy. I Butch Cassidy's a nice guy. Uh, 
Um, Goddamn. I could watch great. that movie every day for the rest of but, my life like, and never tire of it. But, like, the reason that's so great, because that's, they were all, they're doomed to die anyway. Like, if they didn't yeah. die in Bolivia, they would have died something oh, yeah. like that in some other place. They know that whole, the whole the point of that, that movie. movie is about them trying to run away. It's, it's the Red Dead thing. Yeah. Where it's them just running away from a world that's evolved beyond them. And yeah. they're trying to find a place in the world and... And the difference is that whereas in Red Dead they think they can become farmers even though they, they don't know. Even know. Yeah. They know in their hearts they can't, but there's no alternative. They joke so they about go for that it. in the mo- movie where they're like, you know what, being a farmer is yeah. weird. Well, just the not difference that. is, yeah, the, the Butch and Sundance are self aware enough to know, no, we yeah, just gotta even try. try. You know? Because just... in Red Dead, their farm is falling apart. They only have so much time regardless. Yeah. So that's why, at least, yeah, that, that's why Butch Cassidy is great. Have you seen Fight Club? I saw it so I saw it long ago when I was really suffering from depression and panic attacks. Oh, uh, that's not good. And I watched it at three o'clock in the morning when I couldn't sleep. It was the worst, one of the worst decisions I've ever Fire made. Fire Club has a great twist. Great to uh, there's a twist reveal of of the, the identity main, of yeah, the, fuck, the identity right? of the main character, uh, which most people uh, laud Fight Club just because of the twist ending. I tried to keep twist endings off this list because yeah. that's not really twist ending isn't necessarily the same thing as a good ending. It's it's not. A, a movie can't have a good ending that is a twist, but it's not necessarily, yeah, yeah. one does not equal the other. Uh, but Fight Club... Uh, a good twist is worth Fight it. Fight Club is a romance movie for guys. It's really weird, because it's, it's a weirdly romantic in a stupid testosterone-y kind of guy kind of way, where it's, what's his name, holding hands with, uh, with Harry Potter. <laughs> Are you even making sense to yourself? No, it's Harry Potter! No, Do you mean Helena Bottom Carter? Yeah! Uh, again, that was all the things she She's Harry Potter. It's holding hands. It's it's Planet of the Apes and the Hulk are holding hands while 9 11 happens all around them, and there's a big dick on the screen. It's very romantic. Have you ever seen Glory? Is this, is, is this the, am I wrong? Is this a Civil War movie with Matthew Broderick? This is Driving Miss Daisy, Malcolm X, Ferris Bueller, Fight the South. They do not win. That is the poster tagline right there. <laughs> they do not win. Uh, no, Glory's great. Have you seen that? I have I missed not. another depressing ending where everyone gets wiped out at the end. Yeah. And you get to see Matthew Roderick got buried with his troops. Oh, yeah. In this big black mass grave Aww. of black troops. And he's just buried mixed in with them. Uh, but that's... Everyone dies at the end. Man, we gotta talk about the difference between like good ending versus bad ending versus satisfying ending. Like, Well, I mean, I think there's no such thing as a bad ending that is satisfying. Yeah. I think a good ending is an ending that serves the story and that brings the story to a close in a way that feels right and in keeping with the tone of the entire yeah. story. And this is a, the perfect example of not necessarily, it's a bad ending for the characters, but it's a satisfying yeah. and logical ending for But that doesn't make it a bad, see, you're thinking of it from a video game perspective. Well, the, well like, I came from this thinking yeah. about Mass Effect, how, like, instead of labeling Mass Effect 3's ending as a bad ending, it should be labeled as an uh, unsatisfying Yes. Ending. That's that's more accurate. Yes. I would agree to that. Label what that is. I would agree to that. Because bad and good, it's so Gamers are so broken. (laughs) But yeah, no, Glory, that's a great, that's sad ending, but it's a great ending. Raiders of the Lost Ark, great ending. Mm -hmm. Fucking ending the movie with uh, just the fact that Indiana Jones knows he's getting lied to about what the hell's happening in this arc. And the fact that this arc that everyone's been killing each other for the whole movie for just gets created up just like Indiana Jones doesn't want that. That is one of the best iconic endings of all time. Oh, man. There's something... uh, Have I ever mentioned what happened with the ending of uh, Rage of the Lost Ark? Where the original cut of Rage of the Lost Ark, it ends with, uh, you know, the arc opens and blows everyone up except for Marion and Indy. And then it cuts to... 
uh, Indy and uh, his buddy talking to the FBI guys, yeah. just saying what's going to happen to the Ark, and like, uh, trust us, we're gonna. It's top men are researching the Ark. It's fine. Don't worry yeah. about it. And then it just cuts to the Ark getting created up, and uh, uh, Marsha Lucas, George Lucas' wife, she's at the first seeing the first this first rough cut, and she's like, "What happens to Marion?" They're like, "What?" There's like, you see Marion, she's stuck on this desert island with Indiana Jones. Like, yeah. do they get together? Like, what happens after that? Like, yeah. they survive. They're like, oh, shit! <laughs> they go back and there's, they, they see, like, they, uh, right between when Indiana Jones is talking to the FBI guy, yeah. there's a little scene with him and Marion. Yeah. Like, let's go get drinks. Yeah. Which kind of fucks with the ending a little bit, because it's yeah. like, you can see how it's a little bit snappier ending yeah. if Indiana Jones is talking to the FBI guys, and they're, like, lying to him about, But it's also neglecting an entire plot arc. Which, uh, speaking about ladies in fiction, at least if yeah. it were for Marshall Lucas, like, Marion would just disappear from the end of that movie without yeah. any kind of... Like, because like, she and Indy have a whole arc in that movie yeah. Yeah. that would go otherwise completely unresolved. She would just stop being in the movie <laughs> at some point. So, uh, like, that's that's not necessarily really the ending of the movie, but... Uh, but that's, still, it's an important part of it. That makes the ending... It makes it more satisfying in a way, even yeah, as satisfying. it's not necessarily... It's not quite as snappy in the ways yeah. it should be, where you have the smash cut of going straight from the guy saying, yeah. top men are researching right now, and yes. then just a janitor putting the thing in a crate. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it's more satisfying yeah. when it's less... Yeah. One of my favorite movie endings of all time is um, Master and Commander... So Master... I was going to mention this, but I don't know how to talk. That's such a good movie. I don't know oh. whether or not that's a good ending versus just a great movie. So Master Commander is definitely also in my top five. Basically, when you look at all my top five films, it's it's like... Um, uh, dude period, Bros in History. Period. Yeah, Dude Bros in History may be making bad decisions. Um, yeah. And they're all kind of quiet character films. But um, uh, but anyway, no. The uh, Master Commander is all about um, Russell Crowe's character, who is this... Um, just kind of a captain's captain and just kind of a stalwart dude. And, um, he is, um, tasked with, um, chasing down this ship. And during the course of the, the, the movie, like there's this whole cat and mouse game. It's basically and, a Napoleonic war. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and at the very, very end of it, you, um, you, after this, this, you know, this interact, like this intense battle and all these things happen. Um, he finds out that the ship is like that. The captain of the other ship has escaped. He's captured the enemy ship. Yeah, but the captain has escaped. Yeah, he doesn't find this out until like literally the last like thirty seconds of the movie. And like the so the last second of the film is like, all right, the chase is on, yeah. and they just go he turns on that ship around, and they start going after him, and, and then it's cut what? to black, uh, and it's perfect. Russell Crowe's long-suffering friend, the fighting naturalist. Yeah, he's been putting up with Russell Crowe's <laughs> shit for the whole movie, and oh. at the end, instead of even putting up a fight with him about like let's go to fight, he just like. Fine, let's go chase <laughs> this guy. And they start ch- playing their cello and violin together. It's oh, just, it's just, it's perfect. It's perfect. It's perfect for that character. That it's perfect is, for that movie. That is pretty much. That's that's also close to being for what it is a perfect film of what the story that it's yeah. trying to tell and everything. Because I mean, a really good ending just kind of ties everything up. It doesn't necessarily resolve every thread, but it definitely you leave it. You know, life just, in the navy continues. I like the fact yeah. that it doesn't have like okay, we have accomplished our mission. In the end. It's yeah. life continues. Sometimes, well, you can have a satisfying ending where it doesn't. Where technically the story, quote unquote, technically is unresolved, but the characters. Yeah, the character. You, you they've set out to do what they wanted to do yeah. on paper even if there's still yeah. some like it's like the empire strikes back where 
things are unresolved, but the story is drawing to a conclusion for that film. To some degree, that you're going to make sense. fun of me for bringing up this. I really enjoyed the ending in Haywire for the same reason. Which one's Haywire? Uh, Haywire was the Gina Carano movie. Oh, yeah. What's what? Because, like, the end of the movie is she finds out there's one last person who well, yeah, no, that ends. She shows up at her his door. Literally, he just, the last <laughs> shot is him just going, oh, fuck. And then I, cut to black. I was going to joke about how that movie ends right before what should be the biggest fight in the movie. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. that's not going to be much of a fight. No, actually, it's not. No. It's, uh, no, that's it's really exactly. doing it, you like, know? The movie ends in the middle of something, yeah, it's unresolved. But, but... you don't need to see what happens yeah. for it to be totally satisfying. Yeah. And, but, like, like Empire there's Strikes Back is said... different because it's part of a trilogy. But, it, that's, yeah. like, Master Commander and Haywire both work as individual, their own single little story. Because, yeah, you know what's going to happen. And to right? some degree with Master Commander in particular, the ending isn't so much that now it is over, but that the adventure continues. Yeah. Like, that these characters go on. That's over, like, uh, Star Trek 2. Yes. Yeah. Or like another of my favorite movies of all time, even though I would never say it is a good movie, it's Kingdom of Heaven. Yeah. Kingdom of Heaven has a lot of problems. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. And it also ends with... Yeah, because it ends with... Balian and... Balian actually kind of ends up back in the same place he started the movie off in. But he's a different man. He's a different man. But there's all these wars still... Like this, you see how the cycle of holy wars are continuing within Europe and and the Mideast. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and it's just that during the course of the movie, he has grown as a person and now is able to live his life. Where Kingdom Heaven is a good movie. Them. Fuck people. It's a bad movie. It's a bad movie, Bill, but it's a great movie. Uh, have you ever seen The, uh, the Man with X-Ray Eyes? Of course you haven't because no one has because it's <laughs> like a 50-year-old Roger Corman science fiction movie. Uh, this is not the original ending of the movie. This is uh, supposedly the alternate ending. But yeah, The Man uh, with X-Ray Eyes is, guess what it's about? Is it about Man with X-Ray Eyes? This guy has a giant foot. <laughs> No, it's this guy. I can't remember how, but he does get x-ray vision. But it's the kind of fucked up x-ray vision where he can see through his eyelids. Well, it starts out that he can see through, like, ladies' clothes and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, everyone's naked now. Oh. He's like, oh, shit, now I can see through their skin. Now yeah. I can see their skeletons. Now I, can th- now I can't, like, go to sleep because I can't close my eyes because I see through my eyelids. Oh. Oh, now I can't see people because I can see through the earth into outer space. All I can see is space. Yeah. He starts flipping out because now he can't get any sleep. He can't see yeah. anything but, like, the end of the galaxy. Yeah. And so he tears out his own eyeballs so he can finally get some sleep and get some, you know, end this madness. Mm-hmm. And supposedly uh, the original cut of the movie is after he rips out his own eyeballs, he, the last line of the movie is, I can still see. Ah! Dun, dun, dun. That's <laughs> a great twist. Uh, that, that, so what is the actual ending? ending? Is the actual ending that he just dies he having does... ripped his eyeballs out? I think he's about to pluck out his eyeballs, and he says something about, like, if thine eye offends me, pluck yeah. it. Or something. It's it's a little bit more like, meh. <laughs> <laughs> it's turning to Pat Oswald, though. But it's not quite the same horrific thing, like, he, he's gonna have to kill himself. Even oh, I face. did want to say this about the, the sweat box. Go back to it. Am I wrong, or was Sting's uh, assistant dude kind of like a fat, pathetic Pat Oswald? <laughs> <laughs> The whole time I'm watching every bit with him. The one director guy, did he not look like Cusco? <laughs> oh, yes, he the totally did. sad, soft-spoken guy. He's like, I, I hope we don't get fired. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. The Orphanage has a great ending. Orphanato, yeah. This, oh, man. I don't know if it's still on Netflix instant streaming, but it it's is a worth... Spanish language. Oh, man, it's so Not good. a horror movie. It's a suspense uh, supernatural suspense oh, it's so good. thriller. It's basically like the most perfect fucked up Peter Pan ever. It's Peter Pan meets Turn of the Screw. That's actually more accurate. It's it's Turn of the Peter Pan. Screw. <laughs> <laughs> Turn my Peter Pan into you. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's 
should we even? Uh, that's complicated enough. I don't know if we can give it. Yeah, it's 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 a, it, it was, it's got it's a, a sweet perfect little ending, ending though. Yeah. It's it, like totally sweet, melancholy. Little that's ending. another thing where that's that's actually that's simultaneously really depressing, but also really kind of cool ending. Yeah, it's it's right. Where for it's those bad for some people, but yeah, it's 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 an ending that stays true to itself, to its yeah. nature of what the story it's telling. It's not suddenly going to turn into a happy ending. Blair Witch Project. Um, I don't know why I suddenly went off mentioning all these horror movies. Blair Witch Project was... You just wanted to alienate me for You've the rest seen the, of the movie, podcast. right? I, like I told, I told you this before, I watched um, the Blair Witch Project at 2 o'clock in the afternoon in my college dorm television, which was about one foot wide. Yeah, not the most During the middle of the day. Blair yeah. Witch Project. I did not watch it with experience. commercial uh, breaks, no less. I saw a sneak preview of it uh, a couple weeks before it actually came out in like the you know in general yeah. release and so uh it's no one had really known what it was yet uh a friend of mine he worked at a radio station where they were holding like a little sneak preview and he got his tickets and so we went in there not knowing if this was a real movie or not or a real documentary or what yeah. the fuck and that movie like ends, had the most perfect yeah it experience. was it was the perfect experience you could have at the end of that movie you could hear a fucking pin drop people were so fucking freaked out and there was like people walked out of there not like in a boo we're just gonna walk out of here fuck this thing but no one was talking not yeah. even talking about the movie it was like dead get silence the fuck out of here yeah like this 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 like the person i uh my friend rachel i sat next to she spent the whole movie vibrating in her chair yeah just so freaked out she literally curled up into a ball and stopped watching the movie and she was melting from just fucking fear from watching that movie. Yeah. But yeah, that movie ends with uh, the protagonist all getting killed. Actually getting wiped out by the Blair Witch. But, you know, it all happens off camera. It's really spooky and kind of fucked up. And Man, I don't know. That movie, it's funny how that movie is really scary to some people, but it completely bounces off other people. We're like, there's think, no gore or horror or suspense in this at, at all. I think you have to, it's one of those things where you have to, like, be, you have to receive it with an open heart, you yeah. know? Like, you have to you go have into to be... it drinking the Sus- Kool-Aid yeah, of that. Yeah, you have to be kind of susceptible to ghost stories. Yeah. yeah. I think it's the kind of mental temperament yeah. that you have to have in order to be fall for a kind of story like that. And even then, like... That's a kind of a weird way to tell that kind of story. So yeah. I can even see how that movie is put together could kind of make yeah. it not work for some people. But yeah, that was an interesting. That was one of the more interesting ways I've seen audiences react to an ending of a movie. Yeah, where that yeah, wasn't negative. It was just people were just like torn up by that shit. Yeah. Um, Night of the Living Dead has an interesting ending. Where this is weird. Have you ever seen the original Night of the Living Dead? I love that this really is just the spoiler cast to end all spoiler casts. <laughs> no, this is, well, this is interesting. Night of the Living Dead, the original one by George Romero from like yeah. about 68. Uh, it's about zombies attack Pittsburgh. Yeah. Everyone gets wiped out except for the black guy. The mm-hmm. black guy survives and he's uh, wiped out by a bunch of white rednecks who are hunting zombies. The implication is the next morning the zombie apocalypse is over and everyone's mm-hmm. just kind of cleaning up. Yeah. And uh, they, they're they running around uh, cleaning up the last of the zombies and they see him like shuffle out of this house and they think he's a zombie too and they blow his brains out. Hmm. Not knowing. But there's a little weird thing because it racism. is late 60s. It's yeah. white guys blowing a black guy's brains out. Yeah. And it's never really articulated whether or not like how much of that is. He's just going out to get some Skittles. I know, exactly. Shut up. That's too soon. I'm sorry. I regret that joke. Oh... Um, but that's just kind of a creepy... That, that kind of leads into the ancient horror thing of a horror story being more about, like, the people, the horror of society, oh, yeah. rather than just, like... Of course, the zombies are the worst part of that movie, but the, you know, the final twist of the movie being, oh, he's killed by normal people with guns. That's like, right. That's, that's, that's not... Yeah, that's not particularly Night of the Living Dead, but that's an interesting dynamic that happens just a lot of horror yeah. fiction. Oh, so, yeah. Which, that's kind of an interesting ending I always really like. Yeah. 
it, it, it's kind of old hat now, but I don't know. Uh, old Boy. Korean movie. Was it Korean? I think it's Korean. About this guy mm-hmm. who's sent to jail for 20 years. Mm-hmm. He, he Was he like a gangster or something like that? And he gets out of jail after 20 years. He's so sad because his, uh, his old family's kind of grown up and moved on without him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he falls in love with this girl who's like half his age. And they start fucking. And he starts plotting to get revenge on the people who put him in jail. Um, man, should I even reveal what the ending of that movie is? Because you're going to love it. <laughs> all I know is that they almost got Colin Firth to do this in the American remake. And what little I know of Old Boy, I was like, are you kidding me? Old boy, the girl that he's fucking turned out to be his own daughter. Oh, God! That as he's trying to get revenge oh. on the guys who put him in jail, they're trying to humiliate him oh. further. They're trying to get counter-revenge against him before he can even oh. get revenge. So they've plotted this whole thing where as soon as he went to jail, they took his daughter. No. Oh. And, yeah. Oh. It gets more fucked up from there. Oh. But that's, like, the ruthlessness of, like, Jackie's, like, crime horror movies oh. and stuff. I don't know. Oh. I don't even know you why just I I will never watch Old Boy. Seven. How, is that a good ending? Is that... It's it's That's one of the few endings I can't quite categorize. <laughs> I need to watch it again. Because the first time I saw it, I was like, really? Clearly you put there? it on the list. Clearly it's a memorable That was ending. unique. It's memorable. Yeah. I don't know if it's good or not, but it definitely sticks <laughs> out. If we're going to talk about movie endings, that is a that is at least one worth mentioning. I hope you guys have seen Old Boy. <laughs> uh, seven. So have you seen Seven? Nope. This list is just you alienating. Too many horror movies. We'll Here, I'm going to add one. That. I'll add one that's on your list. Chinatown. Chinatown is a I've great ending. I've never seen ending. Chinatown. <gasps> Seriously? I hear, I hear something about uh, it's Chinatown, Jake. <sighs> it's such, oh man. It's one of those things where I know it's Phil. supposed to be great. I'm, I've been oh. saving it for rainy day for well, my, see, here's most the thing. of my life, essentially. A lot of influential films are hard to watch because they're so influential yeah. that you can't really look like at them. Like The Godfather. A, yeah, or like, I'll never be able to watch Citizen Kane. Or like, even It's a Wonderful Life. Like, I feel so bad that I, there are these movies that have... You've are, essentially watched it by... They're totally... You know. It's like the poor John Carter syndrome, where it doesn't matter if it's the source. It's yeah. just been so drained. Chinatown is kind of has that to some degree, but it's it's one of it's just a really one of the most competent noir films, and the way that ending happens is just really satisfying. Yeah. Oh, it's it's one of my favorite noir endings. Is it about a lady named Chinatown? And she comes in, and he's like Chinatown. You will call her Chinatown. I've seen that <laughs> movie. I know that. Unbreakable. Oh, Unbreakable. So Unbreakable. Un- that's man. <sighs> unbreakable Best ending to a uh, superhero movie is Unbreakable. Is my is definitely my number. See that Unbreakable and Kingdom of Heaven blow my curve of um, ultimately being movies of friendship uh, in period. Yeah. But anyway, no, Unbreakable is one of my favorite movies of all time, period, and the ending of it is, is, you could look at it and call it cheesy, but it's actually just super satisfying for what it is. Yeah. Um, well, it totally fits into... They called me Mr. Glass. Oh, God! It's perfect! No, it totally, like, you don't know where it's going with that ending until yeah. it actually, the ending reveals itself, and it's yeah. totally, because it's a comic book, movie about comic yeah. books, and it has a fucking comic book reveal of an it's ending. It's perfect, and yet it works. They take the rules of a comic book universe and and make it work in a in a quote unquote real universe. What are you? That is why I cannot hate M Night Shyamalan or make fun of him. No matter how many crappy movies he makes, he made Unbreakable. Every once in a while, he has a good idea. And for Unbreakable, he gets a free pass for me for all time. No, he just doesn't have enough money to make Unbroked, or whatever the hell the sequel would one called. He he says he has he planned it as a trilogy. So he he did that with Avatar: The Last Airbender too. Good point. Oh, at least the first one turned out good. He made money off of it. But oh man, okay, so awful movies. 
Saving Private Ryan. What's I... awful about the ending of Saving Private Ryan? <laughs> no. I've never seen Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan. Aside from all the army stuff, it's about everyone trying to save... Uh... The shithead, right? Because his, his mama lost too many children. Yeah, Jason war. Bourne. Oh, really? They're trying to save Jason Bourne. It's Matt Damon? Yeah, Matt Damon. Yeah, his all of his brothers have been wiped out, so they send in Tom Hanks and all these other guys. They send him Barry Pepper. I remember Barry Pepper. I was going to say, of all the people here. Of all the people. He plays a great soldier guy. Uh, they send in all these guys. They would send in the Hebrew Hammer, all these other guys to save Matt Damon. And they, guess what? They save Matt Damon. But in the process, uh, Big dies. <laughs> and Big. You should call him Joe versus the Volcano. <laughs> I like that movie. You were talking about why Saving Private Ryan is a bad ending. (laughs) So Forrest Gump dies. (laughs) Finally dies. No more adventures through time for Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump dies. And then it ends with, you see, it's old Matt Damon walking through a a cemetery in France to visit... um, Forrest Gump's gravestone. Bosom Buddy's gravestone. (laughs) Like, now I have to think about other stuff he's been in. And the story's over, but there's still like this last fifteen minutes of the movie where it's an old guy. It's not it's not old Matt Damon in old makeup, thank Christ, but it's still an older guy. They did pretty good casting. It looks like an older Matt Damon. He's like, you know, sixty years old because it was a contemporary from when it was shot like nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. So it's like fifty yeah. years later. And uh he just starts talking to uh Big's grave <laughs> about how you died for us. You died for our sins. And then he kind of starts, like, the camera kind of positions itself. So he's kind of, like, talking to the camera about how much we should love all of our soldiers and how everyone mm. sacrificed. And I understand where they're going for, where it's essentially John uh, Steven Spielberg's tribute to our nation's veterans. Yeah. It's not bad, but it's just the way... It it's is an old man monologuing <laughs> at the audience about how much we should respect old people. Which is not exactly walking out of the theater. You're kind of going, going oh, man, I should call so... my grandpa when I get home and tell him thanks for <laughs> thanks for Korea. Matt Damon yelled at me <laughs> because I don't didn't thank you for the Korea War. Uh, and then it ends with the American flag waving. If it was a, if actually if it was a movie that was made in the fifties, that'd be more yeah. acceptable. It's just a little. You want to talk about a good ending of a war film? My uh, favorite, um, uh, my favorite war film period probably is um, uh, the American Christmas. the Americanization of Emily. Yeah. Which I had never seen until, uh, like, maybe about ten years ago, right before I moved to Portland. Um, uh, the local, one of the local museums was doing a film festival, and for whatever reason, they chose to screen The American Invasion of Emily. Uh-huh. No one has seen this film. It is, um... I've heard of it, yeah. Oh, it's so good. Here, I'm gonna do it. It's Maverick. Um, <laughs> and he, he falls in love with Mary Poppins. <laughs> and... Oh, you're talking about the old Maverick. Yes, the original <laughs> Maverick. Well, he's in the shitty movie James that I Garner. actually kind of love too. Is he James Garner? James Garner is oh man, he is so great in it. It's a war film that is an anti-war film because James Garner is a coward, and he spends this whole movie talking wait, wait, about wait, 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 wait. James Gardner, Julie Andrews, yes, young hot Julie Andrews, who talks about how she can't help but fuck soldiers because they're so sad. How have you never seen the Americanization of Emily? I love Bill? James Gardner. <laughs> Oh wait, seriously? Have you never seen this film? Bill, you would love this movie. It's beautifully shot. It's clever as hell the way it is written. And it's about James Garner is this guy who he's a dog body. So he his whole thing is that he 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 basically gets shit for the generals. So like uh, the generals like, "Oh, I'm going to have a party la- tomorrow night with um some 
hobnobs in the British military. Mm-hmm. So I need you to get us some wine and get us some beer and get us some women and get some dresses for them because we're going to have this minister too. So like he, he goes out and he gets all that shit. He's a supplier. So he's in the army and he has a rank, but he is not a soldier. And he's a coward. He openly admits he's a coward. And it's about... That's um, a perfect role for getting Gardner. It is, oh, he is so good at it. And and so he and um, Mary Poppins fall in love. And... Um, Oh man, and she has this great speech like you can't buy me chocolates. Oh my god, it's such a good movie. But the the so the crux of the movie is that he's in the navy and the there's this crazy old general who's who's pretty much in the end of his rope and he's worried the navy is going to get left out of this war and that the navy's role will not be appreciated. So as they're starting to plan D-Day, he becomes obsessed with this idea that the first man to die on D-Day um, has to be a navy man. Yeah. And that they're going to make a film about this soldier's sacrifice. Thing is, D-Day hasn't happened yet. So they have to construct all construct all this to, footage to show... Like, they have to go on the shore during the Normandy invasion just to film it. And film it so that the first man to die is a Navy man. And it's just... Like, it's it's a totally cynical movie. It's so great. And, uh, oh man. And it's... um, What's his name? Not Get Smart. Don Adams? Not Don Adams. The other guy. Oh, uh, I know. Don Adams. No, oh man, it's such Steve a good Carell. movie. The ending of it is amazing because it's, oh, it's James Garner, an open coward, on the shores of Normandy, like running through everything. Does he survive? Oh, I can't. You gotta watch okay, it. Okay, I'll though. have to watch it. Does oh, Emily get American? James Coburn. James Coburn is in it as. Um, Whoa, really? He's a uh, he's kind of um, uh, James Garner's peer. Now I do want to watch the Maverick movie because they were both in that. The Maverick too. movie is awful, but I love it. <laughs> That is my number one sick day movie. No, that's not bad. I like that Americanization movie. of Emily. Everyone needs to watch it. The climax is great. Does she get Americanized? Do you get to see Julie Andrews say hello there? Well, it's about how... I want to make a movie about wanna... Emily Carroll getting Americanized. See... <laughs> where she goes, no, it's she shops a metaphor. at Walmart. It's a metaphor. You gotta see it. It's oh, great. Okay. It's it's one of the... Oh, man. It's got a great ending. I will bet torrent that <laughs> right now. It's available on DVD. I need to actually buy it because it's a really... Oh, man. It's such a good movie. Okay. It's kind of hard to watch in some ways because I it's... I think you've at me, though. This... It's such an anti-war film. And, I mean, I'm an army kid, so that's... Oh, my God. It must be out of print because it's on Amazon for $60. Whoa. Uh, you know what you should do? <laughs> um, Whoa, God. What else were we talking about? Oh, a hook. <laughs> I can't believe you put hook on this list. Well, somebody... Uh, we're we're going to get the tweets eventually, but somebody was complaining about how all of Steven Spielberg's movies have terrible endings. Not all of them, but a lot of them do. Raiders Lost Ark had a good ending. Hook drives me nuts because as a, uh, a fan of the Jam Barry, Peter Pan, blah, 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 bullshit, Hook ends with... It's consistent to itself because the whole point of Hook is, yay, be a family man, live for your family. Which but you have opposite. to grow up. Yeah, you have to grow up. Whereas the whole point of Peter Pan is you don't grow up. You yeah. run away from death as far as you can until you can't stop running and then you die. Yeah. And the last uh, line of Hook is, to live will be a great adventure. Oh! Which is 180 turnabout from what the original play. Oh! Which... Oh, I forgot that. Yeah. You know what? Which... I have not seen Hook since really reading Peter Pan yeah. and lo- knowing about Peter oh, Pan. Oh! It's hard oh. to get away from thinking about Hook while watching Avatar: Last Airbender because Dante, Cause, yeah, is, is yeah, he's, oh, yeah, uh, he's, uh, yeah, Zuko is voiced by Rufio. Yeah, Rufio. Every oh. time he shows up on street, I just go Rufio. Oh. 
See, it is Hook is hard for me to look at like critically yeah, because yeah, it came out when I was a kid. It came out when I was in high school, so I can look at more. See, I remember like, you, you, that was a kids movie. It my friends kids and I, we would play in the playground and we would um, uh, knight each other with the sword. And go, you are the pan. <laughs> okay, now it's my turn. You are the pan. <laughs> so yeah, but like I said, that that's, oh man, again, to live would be a, oh man, that's that's awful. that side of I mean, it's paying off what the whole movie's been building up for. So from that point of view, it's satisfying. I mean, if you're it, into the, the rest point of the movie, is, the concept is. Weird if last line of the movie is, I want to die. It'll be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) That's a weird thing for a family man to say. Uh, This is true. He's popping wheelies. I mean, it is. He is rejecting everything that he was as Peter Pan. That's, you know, it makes sense. But still, saying that out loud, it just makes my heart hurt. Uh, The last thing, the last movie we have is The Prestige. Oh, man, The Prestige. There's clones. Boo. Oh, man. I'm liking it. Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan, you weirdo. Does any of the females get uh, cloned in that? Oh, the females in the Prestige are awful well, too. Christopher Nolan's so good with female characters. Oh. They're so they're so well rounded. You know let's stop talking about the Prestige because it's so inferior. Um, so that's the let's last. talk about the endings of books. What uh, else no, we're can we take spoil? A quick break, and we'll be back in a second. We're gonna oh. take an unprecedented second break. Okay, we're back. We're going to talk about books, movies, and comics. Uh, books, TV, and comics, even. So, if we go into book and Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, book... I'm fucked up drunk. <laughs> um, so, when I think about... And, and I've read so many books, but I don't necessarily think about their endings, because books, for me, well, are like a holistic a experience. experience yeah. But, I will say this. When I think of it, any endings... When I was a kid, I had an awful habit of... I love to read the last sentence of books. Just the last sentence. This one are for our first bonding things, because I remember you mentioned this to me, and I do the same thing, too. I I don't do it anymore, because the book that kind of broke me on it, just because it was the most perfect read-the-last-sentence experience of any book I've ever had, um, was actually the book of Double Indemnity. You wouldn't think it. So I, um, I went, like I said, I went through a film noir phase when I was a teenager, like a young, like I was like maybe 13. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, Double Indemnity, I should do this book. Because I, I basically consumed all of Dash Hammett, not knowing at the time that really Dash Hammett was the only noir, because he's not even noir, but the, that kind of writing that I really wanted to read. Mm-hmm. So I picked up Double Indemnity, and is, as is my habit, I flipped to the back of the book, and the last sentence is, the moon. That's the last sentence. Hmm. And so I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm reading this whole book, just crazy curious as to how the hell the last sentence is the moon. Because it's fun to figure out. Normally, under normal circumstances, yeah. it's fun to read the last sentence and figure out how you're going to get from this first sentence to the last one. Exactly. You're just it's all reverse engineering it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Because you're all thinking, well, how is it going to lead up to this and what is that going to be the payoff for? Yeah. And in Double Indemnity, it's great. Because, like, so there's this woman and things have, you know, they betray each other and it's awful. And, and this last shot, he sees her on the ship He's on a. I'm trying to remember now. I was like 13, but it had a huge effect on me. I was like, "Oh my god, that's the best ending!" Um, he's like on a cruise ship or something like that, and he's swimming in the ocean. And basically, he drowns. He drowns. It's not clear whether he drowns. He suicide or it's just well, like the last thing he sees is the moon. The moon. Like he's he's oh, thinking okay. about her. It's and not it's bad, like, it's like, but it's just and it was just it was just great. Yeah, it was really great. It totally blew my mind at the time. I'm like, oh, it was perfect. Ah, oh, and I think of that whenever I think of endings. I just think do you still the moon. do that. 
I don't okay. do it anymore. Not since Harry well, Potter. Well, no, the problem is, is that I, I, I'm a fast reader. So when I flip to the back of the page, I'll accidentally read more than I want to. And I've, I've it's spoiled. It's hard to just see your on in that light, yeah. Yeah, I've spoiled too many endings for myself that way. So I just don't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Every time I have the instinct, I resist. Like with Game of Thrones in particular, I was like, nope. With audiobooks, I'll jump to the last. Uh, <laughs> last five last... sentences. No, unfortunately, it's usually the credits. I was going to say. It's... And I'm like, read by Ray Winston. <laughs> How does it get from this opening sentence? Yeah. yeah. In the opening sentence is usually, welcome to Game of Thrones. Um. But yeah, uh, what, so what, so do you remember any, do you have any books you want to talk about? That was my one. We can go to your list now. That's it. My list? Uh, Dark Tower. Uh, the actual ending ending of the Dark Tower series, Stephen King's Dark Tower series, which there's a new book coming out soon, which I'm happy for. Uh, but the actual ending of the original seven book series is actually not that bad. The whole book series kind of uh snake swallowing its own tail kind of thing where it kind of starts over at the beginning again Mm -hmm. slightly different than how it began as soon insinuating that if this cycle of the story continues again that the story will slightly change and Mm -hmm. things will be better for the characters on the second round Mm -hmm. through the story uh but the whole end game the last three books just aren't very good it's hard to like it's hard to describe exactly what's terrible about them but there's just a lot of there's a like there's this whole thing where stephen king makes himself a character in the books which Mm -hmm. a lot of people complain about which I actually thought was fine. There's just a lot of just sloppy. There were uh, the Dark Tower is supposed to be, supposed to be at the center of Stephen King's whole literary universe. It mm-hmm. pulls in elements from all these from every other book and short story and everything that he's ever written. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had set up a lot of other things in these other st- uh, short stories and books and stuff that were supposed to feed into the Dark Tower that never did. Yeah. So it's kind of a janky. The, things didn't coalesce how we planned. Yeah, and uh, he didn't really go back and try to rewrite it to make the pieces fit together, which it's it, that sounds kind of stupid. But I was anticipating seeing how those things fit together, like the way he promised they would, that they never did. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a bummer. So maybe mm-hmm. that's more me expectation overwriting. Maybe it's not as bad as I remember it being, but yeah. Burf. Um, his Dark Materials trilogy. Man, his Dark Materials such a bad series of books and such a good what? series of books at the same they, time. They are purple as hell. <laughs> <laughs> I, won't, I won't say bad, but they're very. They're very you can tell where he had a nervous breakdown when Biden writing that book. <laughs> I'll just say that. Yeah, his Dark Materials, but, which, is, which oh, also man. includes the Golden Compass, which was made into a movie starring man, look the sausage, uh, Daniel Craig, a couple years ago. Um, um, this, I, I thought about the historic materials and thinking about the Mass Effect, uh, ending Mass Effect three. I can see that because, uh, Mass, uh, historic materials has a melancholy as fuck ending, but it's perfect. Mass Effect, yeah. Uh, historic materials is largely about, uh, the fabric between worlds mm-hmm. being able to jump from one, uh, like alternate universe into the next, which is actually, that's actually what the dark tower is actually about too. Uh, but the, the book, the, the historic materials ends with. Uh, the main character and her boyfriend. <laughs> okay, here's what I didn't like about the end of His Dark Materials. At the end of His Dark Materials, I was kind of upset. No, 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 no. The fucking I can accept uh, as a hopeless romantic. But there's a ginormous battle for the galaxy happening off screen. That's what I heard it was going to be a book series or movie. Where God I'm like, dies? Hey. Well, no, no, no. That happens on screen. Because basically there's all this shit happening. Like there's this giant war for the heavens and for the universe happening. And these main characters, they're just kind of like noodling around it and missing the bulk of it. They stumble across this old, feeble man in a cage. 
and set him free and he dies. <laughs> and this old feeble man in a cage is God, by the way, everybody. So it's like not only this total indictment of the concept of God and like the unfeeling, uncaring, negligent God, but that they kill him. <laughs> slips in the tub on the way out. That was, that was like, whatever I heard about this his... This is the god. This is actually not just a god or someone who's pretending no, no, to be no, god. No, no, no. This is this god. This is the god of the Bible. Yeah, this is the um the, the Ju- Judeo-Christian It's, it's presented that this is not necessarily the guy who created the whole universe, but this is the guy who's pre- been presenting himself to humanity as the god of the Bible, who, you know, the son of... The, the dad of Christ and all that stuff. Yeah, whenever I met Sam Elliott... Because when I met Sam Elliott for the first time, he was, he was doing... Um, Press shooting, yeah. for the his art materials because he plays and yeah, uh, cowboy he, guy. he plays he's one of the best parts of that film and I just wanted kept wanting to see him Sam Sam they kill God Sam you, there's not going to be another movie even if they make a billion dollars they kill God they're not going to make a franchise Sam out of- the second book is the protagonist hanging out on a planet with these monkey people like these the gazelle critters that roll around on oh. motorcycle nuts. <laughs> Like, it's not it's like John Carter was never going to be a successful franchise because it's it, it, it's starring a Confederate slave owning Southern guy. No, but, you, you really can't ride away your way around that. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, his Dark Materials actual uh, very ending is yeah the oh, uh, main man. protagonist. Uh, it's insinuate after God is killed, uh, Lyra uh, seems to have sex with her boyfriend Will in this kind of Adam and Eve Garden of Eden yeah. thing. It's not explicit, but it's very much... They yeah. go alone to the garden, and they kind of cut away, and they're eating stuff. And they, he's, he's flat out saying... Other. Yeah, they're yeah. feeding to each other, and they're kind of like... It's it's summer, they're lightly clothed, they're kind of like... They're glistening... <laughs> it's it's all, in the air! <laughs> it's fruity as shit, and you know there's some fucking pussy juices and shit flying over. God. Oh, Bill. <laughs> I'm kind of spitting all over myself how ridiculous this is. I just threw up a little bit. Lyra's only like 13, too. Yeah. Um, some Game of Thrones shit. Wait, wait, it's there. insinuated they do some hardcore fucking, and then <laughs> these two fucking. characters are from, like, alternate dimensions, yeah. and so they have oh, to, like, go back man. to their own uh, different universes and seal up the doorway forever yeah. uh, in order to keep the, the, the universe working. They have to seal up the doorway between their uh, own individual universes. And so it's a super bittersweet ending where they know they're just never going to see each other again. They've profoundly impacted each other's lives, but yeah. they're just never going to see each other. There's yeah. no way to communicate or anything yeah. like that. And the reason I thought about this, Mass Effect 3 should have done this. As much as you can say, oh, these guys, they should have aped this other ending of this thing. No, but I get what you're saying, because in, in the end of Mass Effect, they do inalterably all, like destroy the, the, the tenet, like the, the, the framework of their world. Yeah, they seal, the only way to travel between the worlds is, dis- is, uh, is permanently destroyed in Mass yeah. Effect. Or at least permanently for the next couple what thousand fucks, years. What fucks me up about Mass Effect, though, is that they still have the ability to communicate each other. Because they've got the... The point-to-point communication. I was wondering about how, or if the mass relay is actually the quantum, the quantum communication device. Okay, so you can still talk to. That, that's somehow worse to me. Like, do you able? It's like the worst but long I distance. Like, but I like the idea if, if, they, if, if yeah. in Mass Effect Three, if you had had the ability to at least say goodbye to everyone and have everyone go off on their own separate ways before yeah. the Mass Effect relays like shut down. Yeah, that would have been nice. So at least you would have had the you know the character. Yeah, that resolution. There. Resolution. 
But then, you know, you never like it, it's bringing the story to a logical endpoint where no one's ever going to see each other again. And yeah. none of these races are going to communicate with each other again for at least centuries, if not thousands of years. And so everyone's yeah. going to have to go off and like influence their own worlds in the ways yeah, that you're not and really going to live gonna... their lives on their own. You yeah, know what? I was terrified really Mass Effect was going to end and why I'm really not too cons- upset about the way it really ends. Yeah. Uh, they talk to some degrees about dark energy and about alternate universes in Mass Effect. Yeah. They uh, kind of hint at it. Oh, I was were... terrified it was going to end with like, you have to choose to collapse the galaxy from all possibilities to one possibility. Like, that basically it would what, wipe so out. Like you nuke out everyone else's games? Well, including your own, theoretically, and everyone but like canon shepherd like stupid brute face shepherd you know he's destroyed all the fem chefs actually <laughs> i mean that be. actually would have been a ballsy ending that would have been ballsy that would have been spot. interesting but like people would have because i mean if you want to talk that. about because people get that when I, people were flipping out about they're just setting up for minimum mo i was convinced that's what would happen like that they had destroyed all realities that were not the quote-unquote canon reality that would have made the most sense if they wanted to con- like make everyone's shepherds still canon within that universe explain yeah. them but I can see... I was scared shitless. <laughs> but yeah, his Dark Materials anyway, is really great. Yeah. Where that's, that, that's, again, that's not necessarily a happy ending, but it's very satisfying. Yeah. And I think that, like, not to say... I, yeah, I hate to see Mass Effect Bioware should have just ripped that off, but, like, I think that's something closer in tone to what they were probably... I think most fans were probably hoping for mm-hmm. than what they got with the... Uh, Mass Effect 3, where instead of character stuff, it was all just, like, universe stuff, which yeah. people don't, like... It, uh, I might talk about this a little bit later when we talk about Lost, but, like, people don't care about what happens to the universe if you don't show what happens to the characters. You can break all the toys of how the universe operates and what's going on in the universe, and you can destroy all the political systems within the universe, but if you don't see how that's affecting the characters that people care about, then no one's going to care about the, the bigger story. And that's kind of where Mass Effect 3 got fucked up, because it's all about, oh my god, suddenly now everyone's a turtle. See, rather than, I can... How, I does, can... How, does, how does Garrus react to suddenly becoming a turtle? I can see that point, but the reason why I don't feel cheated in that way, and that's the really the only criticism of the ending that I really listen to, because I'm like, okay, I'll give you that. Not that I think the ending is perfect, but I'm like, that's, I feel, the most valid complaint of all. But at the end of the day, I feel like everyone's plots and arcs were resolved over the course of that game. No, they were resolved. It's just... Still it's kind like, of, it, it's other than, missing it's something. Like, there's other way, what is it, characters fade, like, fading in, and like, oh, well, Garrus is super bummed about the Citadel being destroyed, and so he Well, it's the it fact that, like, everyone's story isn't really over, because everyone's stranded on Earth, and whatever story you think... It's if, what if happens thought, next! Tomorrow's a new adventure! But not in that kind of way, where it's like, everything's, like, every, everything's broken in such a way that suddenly changes everyone's fate from what they were from the last time you over. saw them. It's the shepherd. I don't know what stories are because the Mass Effect really in the solar system going to get destroyed and blow up and destroy the Earth anyway. So everyone's going to be shepherd. Story is over. Shepherd never. Gets Did you see know. the deleted cutscene where uh, uh, Liara and Garrus die? That got cut from the scene that supposedly got leaked on to YouTube. Oh, seriously? By they ex- uh, where they explicitly get killed? It, like it was footage from well, when you charged the light beam. Well, I was going to say the implication is that whoever you take with you is dead, which pissed me off because I, I took and Garrus. I could take Garrus and Tali. To their way out of it, and, and that's I totally, exactly what I chose too. I imagined that Harry. Potter sort of thing with like Lupin and Tonks like like dead on the battlefield holding hands sort of thing. <laughs> speaking of Harry Potter, speaking of book endings, uh, what did you think of the epilogue? How what did you think of how Harry Potter ended in that last book? What, I liked it. I enjoyed it so much. I mean, it, it, see, well, Harry Potter... the, there's almost two different topics there because there's the actual ending of the narrative and then there's the epilogue, which is kind of divorced from the narrative. It really yeah. is just an extra ten pages of yeah. here's what happened. They, ten years okay, later, they all turn out okay, everybody. Um, Harry Potter is the perfect example of how I feel about Mass Effect. I really could give a fuck how uh, Harry Potter ends. 
I really enjoyed that ending. Harry Potter to me is not about the fight for Voldemort. Yeah. I could care less about Voldemort and the battle between good and evil in the wizarding world. The one thing that does upset me is that I thought that they were kind of the sub, kind of like Mass Effect. I thought there was like this subplot of this conflict between the wizarding world and the non-wizarding world. Which and I was expecting anything, yeah. that the resolution would somehow, somehow If anything, it got weirder throughout the books because the battle in the wizarding world spills over into the muggle world. Yeah. And no one really comments on it. And like the muggle yeah. world doesn't seem to react. And we live in the muggle world. It's kind of like, obviously well, it's a fake story. It's not supposed to be real. I mean, it's but like same terrorism time, and shit. Yeah, shit happens every cloaked, day. Yeah, cloaked you know? in. Yeah, but still, but it's, it's not. But at the end of the day, I could give I could give a fuck about Voldemort. I really could. Yeah. Harry Potter totally is. I could care less. It's only how that stuff impacts the characters, not really what happens to Voldemort. Himself. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, even then, I'm like, I don't really care. I mean, that's what the ending in Harry Potter is great. I don't care. <laughs> Do you don't. still care about the characters in the universe? Well, yeah, or, but yeah. I mean, like, I felt like, like. As one of the biggest Harry Potter fans I've ever known, I'm just saying. You, you, if no one didn't know who you are, you, they they would think that you don't care about. You've never cared. You, 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 so yeah, Bill. Yeah, without Bill, any context, it sounds like you're just like yeah, Harry Potter, whatever. See, you're not that kind of person. No, though. I'm you not. Died this for is Harry the Potter thing: is at the end of the day, there. I am. There is always a melancholy for me for endings because it's over. Yeah. It doesn't really matter how it ends. I am sad that it is over because I love the experience of this sort of things. Mm-hmm. I don't like endings because it is the end. At the same time, I don't like things that limp along when things are at, at, when it's their time. But there, are, and there's a part of me that I hate all endings because it's over, yeah. and that's what I didn't like about Harry Potter. I'm like, but I love Hermione like, Granger, and yeah. I love Ron Weasley, and I want to see Ron as a shitty stay-at-home dad, you know, um, teaching a crappy Quidditch team, and I want to see Hermione, like, doing paperwork ministry, and, you know, like, it's, I, I'm that nerd, I want to see it keep going, and I can't, and but, that's why I don't yeah. like any... I'm still, I am still, we mentioned this before, still mystified people who hate that ending just because people didn't hook up with like time didn't freeze at the moment that last chapter ended before the epilogue i enjoyed the epilogue that's one. like i said that's one of my favorite things about the epilogue is it does actually like you really do feel that like characters did live for like, like what's it 19 years between yeah. the end of the last chapter and the epilogue that the, like yeah. life did continue in some lives. way yeah you no know one's what... gotten cancer and died or exactly. anything like that but because that's the one problem with with a lot of people's like people feel like oh the adventure adventure ever continues but no like realistically like realistically it's a wizard world but um, you know, it's like <laughs> no, you know what you have this grand adventure, truth, narrative, realism, and that... then you move on with your life. Yeah, you go on to something else. Yeah, I think and that's, that's cool. why. Like, uh, I know some people are upset because it's in- insinuated that uh, because Harry never felt there's something in there that insinuates that Harry never really had any adventures between the end of yeah. Voldemort War yeah. and the epilogue. Dude deserves a break. About that, I'm like, no, that was it. That was his adventures because I think he mentions that he's never felt the scar. Yeah, Voldemort never came back. There's no really leaves no room for any kind of crazy like. This is not the Star Wars expanded standing universe. Yeah. You know, you know what Harry Potter does? He opens McDonald's French fries and he works the you know the drive-through window for the rest of his life. And he's grateful for it. Which uh, kind of, you speaking about Star Wars is which one of the reasons why I like the Game of Thrones universe so much. This is not quite about endings, but this is actually more about beginnings. That's why I like the Game of Thrones universe so much because Game of Thrones, uh, the TV show and the first book and everything like that, feels like what's if you were to do a sequel trilogy to the original Star Wars trilogy, what that should feel like, where it's the Game of Thrones taking place like fifteen years, essentially a generation after this huge rebellion against yeah. an evil king. Yeah. And how things have not worked out for everybody. Yeah. This is kind of the Harry Potter thing. Well, everyone works out for everybody in Harry Potter, more yeah. or less. 
but I like that, like, the fact that you're coming in kind of at the, like, not the point most people choose if you're going to yeah. choose, like, say, this hundred-year chunk of the story that they're telling about Westeros. Yeah. You're coming in after, like, the sexiest part of the story where there's <laughs> yeah. dragons and yeah. murderous kings and revolutions and stuff like that. You're coming when everyone's kind of fat and old and broken. Yeah. And the younger it's generation the cons- doesn't know what they're doing enough yeah. yet to really know... Make- it's the next generation dealing with the consequences of the decisions of the last generation, which is an interesting sort of story to tell. Yeah, that's a great part. To st- that's one of the things I really like watching the TV show and reading the first book. I was like, that's a really interesting creative oh, yeah. choice. And, uh, no, Game of Thrones is great. I don't mean to slag on Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is just such an unrelenting shit fest. <laughs> it is hard for me to generate excitement It is a fucking anymore. emotional colonoscopy. <laughs> what, so what does Game of Thrones, how does that have to end to make you happy? It already can't. My perfect We're fan fiction ending. Spoilers, yeah. No, 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 I'm not going to talk about it. We'll Game talk Thrones, about it next week. Game of Thrones in particular, there's so many people who are at so many different stages of it. My fan fiction ending for Game of Thrones has already been undone. Let me put it this way. I the still book, think it's possible. The book is called A Song of Ice and Fire. Who is ice and who is fire? I, I mentioned that to Dylan, and it, was, it wasn't until I mentioned that she was like, Oh, <gasps> see? God damn! I was convinced because Jon Snow is totally the child. <laughs> totally the see, I can't help it. Jon Snow is totally the child of, of Robert and um, what's her name? Leanne. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, 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 Star- Ned Stark's Ned's sister. sister. Yeah. Like he's so he's he's the descendant. He's totally a Baratheon. And then you know fucking Daenerys. Like so you have these like ah, and they're coming together and. The hottest <laughs> fucking steam, literally the steamiest sex. <laughs> That's how they're gonna uh, melt the the, the uh, White Walkers. Game of Thrones. Uh. No, I mean I'm curious. I mean, dude, dude has balls. Dude has balls because he's he has so much balls. His name is Grr. There was an interesting article in that it was infuriating. That was I can't remember. It was on Forbes or some bullshit about how by where Bioware fucked up is that they failed. They did not. Commit fully commit to fan service that they did not sufficiently service their fans, That's which is not the biggest good. load of bullshit. Because that entire game is fan service. Because all you do is hang out with your bros from the last two games. <laughs> yeah. Literally, it is wall to wall fan service. Yeah, people. That if there's any legitimate cl- complaints to be had about the actual like the main guts of Mass Effect Three is that it's just a fucking reunion tour for Mass Effect One and Three, where every like little side mission. It's, it's you, like, See, but meeting I up with an old service, friend. So that's what I want. That's fine, yeah, exactly. But at the end, of, and it's, like, it's, like, it's like, oh, well, the problem is that it didn't stand fan service when he meant in the ending. The ending did not service the fans, which, whatever. Game of Thrones is fascinating because he could give a fuck about what you think or care about. Because guess what? Everyone's going to die, like, painfully and alone in a weeping mess of blisters. <laughs> that is <laughs> Well, he's that always said that game. he wants the actual ending. If, if he's going to write a last, if, if he ever gets around to writing the last scene, it will just be, like, Gravestones, yeah, as said far the as the wind yeah, whistling over a snowy graveyard. That's it. Which, yeah, I mean, eventually I mean, everyone takes, dies anyway. It's just how balls. they die and when they die. That but takes yeah. balls to tell that story. Uh, I'm going to but... be disappointed if Game of Thrones ends any other way. Well, uh, that, that could, well, it's I a wanted bittersweet. Give me bittersweet. I'm fine with bittersweet. A sweetness. Poor, my poor bro you Jorah Mormont has already been through hell, so I accept bittersweet. You think John, but... do you think Jorah Mormont's just going to cut John's head off with a with an axe? Jorah Mormont, if he's smart, just kills himself the first page <laughs> of the next book. Jorah and Tyrion uh, both just look at each other and going, this isn't going to end well for either Jorah, of us. I love the actor who plays him on the show. We can, this, we can talk about Game of Thrones. So that's, that is a good segue to TV, then. Uh, TV, uh, Lost. Man, what are you oh, talking about Lost? So does anyone like the ending of Lost? I've like, never really? met, I, me, myself, I've never met anyone, none of my friends either online or off like the ending of Lost. Everyone I knew who Doug lost... 
people have different reasons for hating the ending. I didn't. I or didn't. some people hate it. Some people are into ambivalent, but no one likes actively like says, "Yeah, that ending was good." So here's the thing with Game of or Mass Effect: you can dislike it, you can say that the characters aren't resolved or whatever. What I liked about it is that I thought it was ballsy as hell to do that to some degree, and then it posed a lot of questions. With Lost? Well, no, no, no. I'm talking about Mass Effect. Yeah. Mass Effect's ending at least was brave enough to pose some serious questions. Now, I would not say that I invested 120 hours of my life into a game to ask myself a question, but I think that's interesting and very classic sci-fi. I got the feeling they were trying to do something. Yeah. Lost? I don't know what they were trying to do. They were trying to get out of that last season without getting killed by the fans. (laughs) That's what it really feels like. Well, especially because last season was... That last season of Lost where uh, it turns out suddenly, for some reason, everything starts turning into these sideways reality flash. Side yeah. flash? What are they called? Side? I think they did call them... Sideways flashbacks or whatever? I think they did call them side flash. Because the series, for the first couple seasons, uh, you know, you had all the action taking place on this desert island everyone's stranded on, and then it would jump back to flashbacks of how everyone uh, got to the island, like living their lives, how they wound up on the plane that crashed. And then after a while after that got played out, uh, they started doing flash forwards to uh, the survivors' lives after they're rescued. What the, what they're like back in the real world. Once that got played out, <laughs> they started doing this shit where like this fan fictiony thing where what it's if a parallel universe? Yeah, this way. Yeah, what it's like if everyone suddenly like really like it into Ninja happens. Turtles or something. I'm I'm in a big turtle thing tonight. But yeah, and you find out what the hell is these these sideways flashbacks about? Yeah, it turns out uh, that's actually snippets from everyone's how everyone's spending their time in the afterlife. Years after the events of Lost, after everyone's dead, this is another thing where it goes back into times freezing, where even in the afterlife, all these characters from Lost, the only people they seem to want to hang out with in the afterlife <laughs> are these people they spent like 128 days with on this yep. deserted island. No one, yep. no one's hanging out with their like their dead wives or anyone they met after or before yep. their time on the island. And in fact, uh, one of the guys comes out to the main character, Jack, and says, everyone here is from the most important time of your life. This is who you want to spend your last moments of consciousness with before you die or something. And yeah, no, the end the end uh, of Lost is the main character, Jack, dying. And his dream he has about meeting all the other people who are already dead in the future in a church. <laughs> and where his dad comes out and says... Oh, I know, you have so many unanswered questions, but it's about the journey, not about the destination, which is bullshit Having for a show. character say that out loud is really unacceptable. And it, also, he's standing in a church where the stained glass windows are the, like, the like religious iconography from all the major religions in the world, and so they make sure that no one thinks it's just the Christian faith they're talking about. It's just the most ham-fisted, catch-all, <laughs> weird bullshit like I would, yeah, no. Ma- the ending of Lost would have been better if they actually had tried, if they had decided on one thing they wanted to do with the ending, rather than just kind of like try to appease everyone and just piss off everyone instead accidentally. Yeah, a fucking train wreck. <laughs> Ugh. But mostly, you know- mostly what cracked me up about that sequence is that funeral. So it's like in this kind of funereal context, and the thing is, what happens next at a funeral is a really awkward reception. And that's all I remember. Like that's all I could think about during that whole scene is like it goes to white, and then they're all like eating stale triscuits in like the <laughs> gymnasium next to the church. In, in and double all. hell or what? Heaven or where to go after <laughs> yeah. after the afterlife? God damn! But I mean, one thing I did like about Lost is that they didn't like suddenly turn the. They were some of the characters were pretty inconsistent during the turn of the show, like Charlie. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. for, like one reason for one episode he'd be like a well-meaning drug addict the next episode he'd be some kind of crazed kid running off into the surf with a baby in his arms and yeah. 
kidnapping son and doing all kinds of crazy shit. But at least for the finale, they didn't suddenly turn lawyer into a uh, leprechaun or something like, or turn Sawyer into a leprechaun or anything like that. Yeah. So the character they did write right by just the basic characters and their characterizations. But yeah, just the like for a series that was so built on mysteries and like yeah. never-ending flow of mysteries to just come out and say oh, oh, it doesn't matter what. I mean, one thing I will sympathize with with Mass Effect nerds is that the worst thing that can happen to you at the, at the end of anything is you feel like the entire experience is a waste of your time yeah. and a waste of your energy and a waste of your emotions. That's what the end of Lost was. And it was, yeah. yeah. I enjoyed Lost so much. It was so important to me. And then it just... Bleh. I saw uh, Patrick Klepek. He's the guy who... Uh, he's the news guy for a Giant Bomb. He was trying to flag down Damon Lindelof, one of the guy, head guys from Lost, to see if we can get him to comment on the whole Mass Effect 3. Because yeah. Damon Lindelof was making some tweets like, if anyone wants to talk about how terrible the Mass Effect 3 ending was, I'm the guy to talk to because I'm the expert in shitty endings. Yeah. And uh, he was just making that joke, but Patrick Kleprick was trying to flag him down and say, hey, if you actually would like to comment, I know you don't play these games, but how would you like to feel about you know being persecuted as being this pariah of endings? Mm -hmm. yeah. And I don't think anything happened to that. But that would have been interesting if something had come from that. Uh, Angel. I think it's I've, so cute that you put Angel in this list, because you never saw the ending of Angel. I've seen I've seen the first season and half of Angel, but I always heard. Oh, I've seen like what I've seen the last ten minutes of it, that last episode. Yeah. And I don't know what happens, but all I know is uh, L.A. is suddenly filled with demons and dragons and shit like that. And supposedly everyone's who hasn't already been killed on Angel is just rushing off to fight this giant dragon. They know they're gonna die. But it's really see, a I didn't read that as a... I didn't see that as a Butch and Sundance sort of thing. That's not how I perceived Supposedly, it. Supposedly, that's what it is. Like I said, I've not seen the whole episode or seen the events of the lead-up See, I watched episode. it. That is not how I perceived it. Because oh. the way I perceived it was just these characters are going off to a new adventure. That oh. was how I perceived that. It was not a I blaze of glory. That blaze of, I always heard it that was a blaze of glory. Uh-uh. Oh. Nope. Uh, people uh, email us, tell us who's right and who's wrong. <laughs> so I'm sure one of you guys have actually seen the whole angel. All I know is what's-her-name dies, Cordy. Spoilers. Everybody. I didn't watch that because everyone says some people say that's better. Angel than Buffy. is fascinating because whatever Buffy was bad, Angel's good. Whenever Angel was good, it means Angel, or must Angel be was bad. Good for then Buffy big was good. Of it then. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, Deep Space Nine. Uh, this is the... the Star Trek doesn't have much in the way of endings because, like, the first Star Trek just got canceled halfway through. Next Generation just kind of ends. It has an ending, but the show continues on after that. Like. There was no logical endpoint to the story that they were telling mm -hmm. in, in Next Generation. These Space Nine, uh, where it turns into this whole story about this big war, the war ends, and the whole reason for everyone being on the sta space station suddenly dries up, and there's justification for everyone having to go in their own separate ways, which is very cool. Uh, and also, Deep Space Nine had the one, the most fleshed out character in all of Star Trek, who he was th this guy named Gold Dukat, who is this very kind of fleshed out, well rounded. He's the antagonist, but he's not even really a villain because he's not like, ha ha, I'm going to yeah. kill you. He's more like, I don't know, like whoever was like he was. He was almost like more like one of the guys working at the, the where they built the first atomic bomb. Where he oh, yeah. knows what he's doing is yeah. going to kill a lot of people, but like Project Manhattan. But he's still got his kids and stuff. He has to pay insurance and stuff like that. It's yeah. kind of a more mundane kind of villainy. Yeah. And that's for Star Trek, which is such a big space opera. That's kind of unique for Star Trek. Yeah. And, but towards the end of uh, uh, the last episode or two of Deep Space Nine, he turns into a total cartoon villain where he practically Aww. grows a mustache. Like, now I'm going to kill everybody! Yeah. Which is a real damn shame. That uh, I love Deep Space Nine. I actually love the ending of Deep Space Nine, but mm -hmm. that is one element that is just... 
I don't know what the fuck they were thinking, but that's terrible. You know what's not on your list that is kind of amazing to think about? You oh, want to no. talk about a really good ending. I'll be curious to see what they do Hercules? with the next season. Arrested Development. Arrested Development is not on your list. Arrested Development is one of those that's amazing endings of all end time. time. They knew they the hopped sight into, from orbit. They hopped into the Arrested Development car and just ran into a tree and jumped out laughing and giggling while bleeding so, to death. Arrested Development is one of the, you know, everybody talks about how great Arrested Development is, but the end of that show is amazing because that they basically that show, take... Yeah. They, it is the most amazing and ballsy because they knew the show was ending. Yeah. So they just fucking destroyed everything. They took every they single constructs toys. that they had built in this show and just fucking detonated it at like, once, like in a ten minute span. Exactly. That's why I'm fascinated that they're doing a fourth season because that is like the most perfect destruction of a series I've ever seen in my life. It was so great and amazing. Yeah, that that is definitely when I think of the fr- the phrase "broke all their toys." That's the, yeah, that's one of. But in the best about. way possible. It oh, is yeah. not in a vindictive way. No, it's really way. satisfying because that show didn't give a fuck about anything either way. Yeah. Other than just making you laugh and yeah. being clever, and that's yeah. even what the ending of that show. It's still making you laugh. It just doesn't give a shit. Just anymore. takes all the d- tensions that they built and just yeah, just goes off, oh. flips the table, drops <laughs> the mic, goes home. <laughs> It's just amazing. I'm going to go have home and sex, have sex with my wife. <laughs> That's right. The ending of uh, that. Uh, Battlestar Galactica. You know, yeah, I forgot. You never. I gave up on the end of Battlestar Galactica when. I, I mean, I should have given up on. Ba- I should have stopped watching Battlestar Galactica yeah. when they go back to Earth because that's the good ending right there. I mean, I like all the stuff on Earth to some degree. I think that's interesting. Oh, when they go to when they think they found Earth. Yeah. Spoiler: <laughs> Battlestar Galactica. Um. Yeah, and like you didn't all, miss much because oh. the show gets to get even worse from there. I tried to watch it. I got as far as like they're all all the people who are secretly silenced are summoned by the goddamn song. Yeah. And then they they launched. Where the, it sounds like the, a Chili's commercial. <laughs> they launched. They <laughs> launched <laughs> the space dentist in out the airlock, and oh, I'm that's like, a, that's whatever. I you were there watching that. Yeah. You, Do you, you remember just, me you walking just, out of the room? You, said, you know what? This is, and you never wa- came. I back. never watched again. When Callie gets uh, airlocked, yeah, you're I was like, like, I'm no, done. That's fuck it. this show. Yeah. I was so upset with what they did to that character, that, and that was like you the know perfect. What, the climax of that series really is the new Caprica stuff, where they end up uh, being essentially captured. By the Cylons. Okay. And there's the whole Iraq war thing. Did you see that? No. See, this is all news to me. What? I never saw any I of this. I saw that stuff. No. Yeah, that, the, the, when they find Earth happens after that. No, no, no. Point. I'm talking about when they find, when they, when they find a, excuse me. No, no, no. When they go to New Earth or whatever they call it. New Caprica. Is it? Well, and when they have their colony and everything and they've got like their shitty. Little tents and stuff. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. See, that's Once the end of the show. Plan, no, but that's like, that's like the. That's like the third season. I thought that was interesting. Once they get out of there, yeah. no, that's when the show, once oh, they yeah, get off yes. that planet, yes, that's, that's when they like don't that. know what to do because suddenly, well, their one big stunt, storytelling stunt was like, what happens if they actually do find a planet and just settle down? Yeah. And then the next big stunt after that is like, what if they happen to get caught by the silence? Next big stunt after that is, what if they get rescued from the silence? And after that, they're like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and so there's like a season and a half of them just kind of wandering around, just like, uh, soup. <laughs> and they do find, like, they, they, they do find what they think is Earth. It turns out it's not Earth. Yeah. It's yeah. just Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> and, that was yeah, my bad and, joke. And, 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 yeah, Battlestar, the end of Battlestar is not terrible. It's the last, like, two seasons. The whole, it's For a show that's only four seasons long, that's not good to say. Isn't Starbuck an angel? <sighs> Starbuck... She dies. Did you ever see the, get to the point where she dies? No. She well, dies. Maybe. Her ship gets know. blown up. And the producers all came out and said, no, we're really killing off Starbuck. It's not just Katie Sackoff. This is not publicity stuff. We're, we killed off Starbuck. Two episodes later, she comes back. <laughs> for, this, for that season finale. She's like, I'm alive. There's a TV show doing? DLC for Starbuck. I know, yeah. <laughs> oh, she comes back, and it turns out that, like, 
she's been resurrected by some mysterious force and you never find out what the force is. <laughs> and that she's suddenly, now that she's been resurrected by God or whatever, the force the is the power of all the fanboys' boners. Well, especially when she comes back, when she's resurrected, when she goes back just in time for the end of the season, season finale, she's like the big twist at the end of that season finale is like Starbucks back, even though she's only been dead for an episode and a half. And she's like, I'm back, I'm alive, and I know the way to Earth. And, you know, because they knew that was a great way to end that, that series. And then the, 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 the next season starts off, and she's like, oh, I don't know the way to Earth. <laughs> they never explain why she's uh, like, wow, did I say I know the way to Earth? Cause he, if, cause I vaguely remember the this happening. The show five minutes after the end of that episode where they, she, she just takes everyone to Earth, but now she's like, I don't know, I, I, Earth? What? Ugh. And just she spends the whole the next season just like the identity crisis and all this shit. And they, anyway, they finally do get to Earth. Battlestar Galactica is a fascinating TV show because most TV shows they start out rough and they catch their stride and then maybe they deteriorate. Yeah. Battlestar Galactica just hits the ground running. And it's good shit until it just starts falling until apart. It trips until it starts like runs like run starts running downhill and starts running even faster and it trips and it can't keep keep from falling uh-huh. over and it just falls down the rest of the hill. Well, that's really well, that's that's kind of like the what was going on creatively because the guy who was in charge of Battlestar Galactica, he was not he he was very active in saying how much he did not like the plot out mm-hmm. far in advance. Like when he started when they started writing and 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 shooting a season, he had no idea how that season was going to end, much yeah. less what the whole shape of the show was going to be. Yeah, and like because he thought that like having a plan like that kind of dulls creative. I like the Effort. panic. Yeah, yeah, I guess he's one of the guys. Yeah, thrives on everything falling apart at the last minute. Yeah, which is great sometimes for storytelling because you're willing to throw out, throw everything at the wall to see what sticks. You're willing to break your toys, but after you break your toys so many times, what yeah. the hell else is there left to do? Once you've had everyone get stuck on Earth and captured by Cylons and and yeah, at the end, Starbuck she ends up disappearing because she turns out she actually is an angel. Well, they never actually even explicitly say, say, say she's an angel. She's just talking to what's-his-face, uh, Master uh, Horatio Hornblower. You know what I'm talking about. Jamie Bamber. Oh, Jamie Bamber. Oh, yes, he was. A, and a, she's a like, boy, what's going to happen to you now? And he's like, what, Starbucks? And he turns around, and she's suddenly gone. <laughs> Thanks, Battlestar. <sighs> Fuck you. Uh, Avatar Last Airbender. Man, okay, so Avatar The Last Airbender, A, has a satisfying ending, but B, what is almost more satisfying to it is right before the end of the show, there is an episode where um, they go see a play that is reenacting the events of the entire series. It's the next to last episode, yeah. Oh, it's so great, because A, it's it's obviously a good catch-up, but B, it's great because it's the characters watching this depiction of their experiences and commenting on it. Yeah, it's It's half an hour of the show just relentlessly poking fun of itself. Oh, it's just brilliant. like just like all the like logical uh, loopholes and stuff that's happened in the show, all the plot holes, just like yeah, it's it's fucking hilarious. Um, but anyway, yes, beyond that, the actual end game of of Avatar is really great too. Um, well, this is the opposite of Battlestar, where uh, Battlestar just kept on going until it ran out of gas and had no one was really in control of where the story was going. Uh, Avatar uh, benefited from from the beginning. They had it's essentially like it's a like a novel mm-hmm. for TV, yeah, they had a but planned. just for kids. Uh, where yeah, they knew it was going to be three seasons. They knew exactly what was going to happen in those three seasons, and they were able to. T- there, there's very little fat in that series, and whatever faults you can have with Avatar: the Last Airbender, it's not for f- like for lack of forethought or anything like that. It 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 knows what story it wants to tell, 
and uh, it tells it. It's very yeah. good. And one of my favorite things, too, is uh, one of the best battles in the entire... Well, actually, the final battle between Aang and the Fire Lord o- Ozai... It's interesting because he ends up getting like super powered, and he and like the final battle, final battle isn't so much oh my god how is he gonna f- defeat the Fire Lord as much as like oh my god he may just outright kill the Fire Lord, but he doesn't want to kill the Fire Lord because he yeah. doesn't kill people. That's yeah. not his thing, and so it's trying to figure out how he's gonna rein himself in from killing the Fire Lord and how yeah. he's gonna do that. Yeah, that's an interesting thing to say. You know, before our conclusion, uh, Avatar is gonna win. But say, yeah, how he's going to do it if he can kind of adhere to his own moral code while doing, while winning. That's an interesting, weird kind of thing. Yeah. I love Avatar The Last Airbender because it's not that it is, I don't want to say that it is predictable. It is very much so telling a kind of classic sort of story with classic sort of tropes. Mm -hmm. And yet it is so fresh and entertaining every step of the way. Yeah. Especially for a kid's TV show. It should not be that savvy. Yeah. But, it, it, man, like, uh, another thing that's savvy, too, one of the best battles in the game is between Zuko and his crazy, batshit, crazy sister. Yeah. But with this, like, they have this huge knock knockdown drag-out brawl at the end of uh, the series, and it's one of the best choreographed yeah. scenes, fight scenes in the entire series. And so instead of being played up as, oh, my God, totally cool, badass shit, it's played as the saddest, most yeah. inevitable thing in the world where they drop out... Everything except for the music, the sound of the breathing, and the and the sound of just them, sh- the fire effects of them just yeah. like shooting flames at each other, and just this like the saddest like slowest temple m- music mm-hmm. of just them just like just fighting and just like oh it's 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 almost like a dirge but like in a good way. Yeah. It sounds depressing, but it's just. I think a good ending feels kind of inevitable. Yeah. And this is where this is again where multiple endings to games make me kind of upset. Is like a good ending is inevitable, and you you walk away from it and you're like that's right. You know, yeah. it may not be what you want. It may not be what the characters wanted, but it feels well, right. Speaking of that too, like uh, the conclusion is that fight. You know, spoilers: the good guys win, and the good guy Zuko he wins against his crazy sister. But they don't do anything where like she suddenly like learns the errors of ways. Yeah. She's crazy. Yeah, and one of the most—I think this is the moment where Avatar went from like me thinking, "Oh, Avatar is good to shit." They're well—they're not willing to back down. Is when uh, they defeat the, the the crazy sister, and she just stays fucking crazy. Yeah, and there's a great scene where they chain her up, and she's like chained to this little metal grate. And she's so fucking pissed off yeah. about losing, but not in some kind of badass threatening way that she just has this fucking meltdown, starts just belching fire and just yeah. screaming. She just fucking goes nuts and the two characters who just defeated her they can do nothing but stay on the side and just they, what are you gonna do and then yeah. just cuts like she's crazy they're gonna have yeah. to put her away somewhere but not in some kind of crazy victorious way like, yeah. we're gonna put she you away exactly but yeah. it's just and this, it's is, sad. this is the dude's sister and yeah. he loves her it's, 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 it's like I don't know it's just yeah it's a thing after our last episode, that's good. Avril. But yeah, that that play episode is brilliant. Is the brilliant? It's brilliant. Every that should be mandated. Every TV show next to last episode well, should be uh, just making fun of itself before it's allowed to actually do its super serious finale. There was a part of me that I, I kind of was like, oh well, yeah, because they they kind of I don't know if this is conscious or not, but they um, reboot actually did that. The <laughs> s- shut up, fuck you. Did reboot have a conclusion? 
Yeah. Okay. Because there's like there's like phase one of reboot where it was on like ABC and it was like very episodic, and then there's phase two where it became kind of dark and cool. But like one of the the second to last episode is a recap episode mm-hmm. that's um uh, with uh, all Gilbert and Sullivan music, but telling the story of the series so far. Yeah. And uh, the difference is the characters are not commenting on it; they're observing it, but they're kind of passively observing it to some degree. Oh, okay. They're supposed to actively observing it, observing it, but it, it's great. I mean, it's great just to kind of as a refresher, as like a cliff note sort of thing. Yeah. But it's also just awesome to have that moment of self-awareness for these characters that is super cool we need to do reboot podcast oh man reboot oh god <laughs> reboot no no i'm not bringing that back reboot. um oh man weird stuff with michael reboot. bay reboot is aliens. well they were gonna they're like it was like a web 2.0 thing they were gonna come out with a comic series but the fans were gonna get to make it yeah. It was like the skeeziest Zudo, whatever it was called, Zudo, sort of sounding sort of thing, where it's like, well, you guys come up with a story and vote on it and shit like oh, that. Yeah. Like, oh, that's going to be awful. I mean, because there's a healthy z- reboot fandom, so more power to them for trying to like include them. But, man, it sounded skeezy. I don't know if anything ever came from it. Yeah. Anyway. But ultimately, I think a good ending is not necessarily the character's... What is it, um, like, the characters end happily or unhappily? It's just, it feels right for the narrative. And I think that's ultimately why I am satisfied with the ending of Mass Effect 3 and unsatisfied. Because I feel like all of these plot threads of the narrative are satisfied during the course of the game. And all that's left at the end are these questions. But the difference is, is that the... The the thing about the essay that came out by the dude supposedly written by one of the writers of Mass Effect is he says there are three threads in Mass Effect. There is this larger sense of synthetics versus organics. When the ending, the crux of it is synthetics versus organics, when arguably that is the third and most literally most tertiary aspect of the game. Yeah. It is not the focus of it. And it's strange to have it it doesn't did not feel unnatural to have it be the abrupt focus. No, it wasn't like it suddenly changed topic. It was yeah, not it's, it's, it's not like field. suddenly the ending of Mass Effect is about man, who plays the best bagpipes? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's just like But there's all this other stuff going on that they didn't yeah. carry over into the ending. Regardless of even the mechanics of like the choices you've made not really necessarily yeah. carrying over into the ending. But yeah, it's just thematically was just a little bit like a little sparse. Yeah. Yeah. And but it then also changes the universe enough that like wherever you think the characters are gonna end up, suddenly that's gonna change. It, but the thing it's is, such is a... that when it fades to black, who the fuck knows what happens next? At the yeah. end of any you're story You're kind of fatalistic in that way. There though, can where be you're like, like some sort of cataclysmic event. Yeah. Well I mean the end of every story is uh, by a definition apocalyptic to all the characters because what the fuck happens tomorrow, who knows? Legend of Korra, it picks up. Like, I do like some of the characters dead. Like, yeah. that's one of the things about the Legend of Korra sequel series to Avatar, Last Airbender, is is not everyone's 110 years old, because the yeah. Legend of Korra takes place like 80 years after yeah. uh, the original series. That, that's another nice thing where, like, people lived and died and stuff. Yeah. It's like, it's nice because so, so oftentimes you can get caught up in, in a story being about these heroes in their moment of glory. Yeah. And you would just want to make the static universe where they always stay like that. Yeah. 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 But it, and it's, and I mean, that's our nature. Like we want to be young forever. You know, like that's human nature right there. We want to be young forever and always happy. Yeah. And then a, a, a real ending, like a kind of like a the fan bravest. Ser- yeah. Fan service, fan service ending would be, that's what happens to people. Yeah. But with the more satisfying ending, if you have a little more well-rounded view of life and how things Nathan operate. Nathan Drake has to get a job at a call center. <laughs> <laughs> wow. To, to pay off all his credit card debt. Drake's misfortune. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to pay all this. But it's a call center in India, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
before you ran out of money. It's so much more exotic than mine. <laughs> All the roads are washed out from the rivers flooding, and so he has to climb over the rooftops to get to work, but that's it. He's gained 20 pounds. Yeah. So anyway, guys, friends, that was our rambling, um, uh, looking back on various endings and such. Yeah, that's uh, endings. Uh, you know so what? that's where we spoiled everything that ever happened and uh, everything that we like ever. In keeping with the theme of today's podcast, we're going to end it. <laughs> So as always, we're Boy Howdy Podcast on Twitter. If you want to end this like No Country for Old Men, uh, tell me an embarrassing (laughs) anecdote about your dad child growing up or something like that, and we'll just cut off the podcast halfway through it. Howdy at boyhowdy.org is our email as always. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate your feedback. I love you guys. You did good, honey child. (laughs) Oh my god!